Hello, everybody. I am Levi. And I'm Allison. And this is Brack Street's Bracket, where we fight over things we love, things we like, things we don't really care that much about, everything in between. Uh, but decisions must be made, and we have designated ourselves as arbiters of that decision making, I guess. Uh, but we'll go with that. Allison, how are you today? I'm well. I'm excited to get into this bracket. Same. And... First and foremost, thank you to everyone who listened to episode one. Uh, we got mostly positive feedback, which is a good starting place, yeah. I think. But we have a special guest for this episode. We do. Episode Let's jump right into two. it. Please. That's right. It is uh, my friend and yours, Nick Walinski. Nick, how are you? Hey, I'm, I'm doing really well. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. We are so excited to get into this bracket. I know Nick from work, and <laughs> Levi and Nick are strangers. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Nick, how, uh, how do you feel about brackets? Uh, I am a fan. Uh, you know, I, I really have only ever uh, been exposed to the March Madness brackets prior to your interest in them, but I am enjoying uh, the brackets I've seen. Excellent. I would have That's absolutely like loved. I would have loved if your answer would have been, you know, not really into them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not interesting. No, not my bag. Nick uh, hates semantics. I'm just here to hang. <laughs> yeah, right. just here, just uh, trying to get some social interaction in these trying times. Understandable. Yeah. Um, okay, so I will say probably the biggest critique we had of ourselves last time was the runtime, which I think is a common problem uh, for most podcasts starting out because we tend to ramble, and that's just the kind of person I am in normal life anyway. That being said, I say, double L, you tell me how you feel about this. I say we just jump right into what the premise of this bracket is and we just start going through matchups how's that sound i'm here for it since the flyers are still bad trash and we have nothing more to say <laughs> yeah they're, they're playing in they're playing the devils in two hours no thanks i think they played the devils four times this week so hard pass so that allows us to move right into our bracket yes uh today we are talking about live action Disney movie, motherfuckers. Uh, <laughs> Levi is a Disney person, capital yes. D, capital P, Disney yes. person. Nick, how do you feel about live action Disney movies? I love them. Some of my fondest memories growing up are, are both the animated and the live action uh, movies alike. Excellent. So we have opinions on deck. <laughs> I do. am so excited for this one because... As much as I love food, I am even more passionate about all of the movies in this, or 90% of them, because so many of them are rooted in nostalgia, and uh, I'm very passionate about things from my childhood, <laughs> so this will be... Oh no. This is going to be, gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, I already know that both of you disagree with me on some of my Final Four matchups, and... It's about to get serious. <laughs> All right. Uh, so first and foremost, we are omitting the recent live action adaptations of the animated classics like Lion King, Aladdin, Cinderella, etc. The fact is that most of them are carbon copies or at least very close to being carbon copies of their animated counterparts. And we don't really want to double dip because we are planning on doing an animated bracket in the future. So it's going to be one of those where we don't want to discuss the same plot points twice. Yeah. If, if we can avoid it. Uh, we'll reiterate that except for the one seeds for each region, the, the seeding is randomized. And this is another 32 field bracket. Yeah. So we're going to try and cut down the 
time that it takes to get through each round, but if you get mad at the seating or anything like that, you can go yell at a robot. <laughs> uh, one And one difference, I think, with this bracket is uh, looking back over it, just to make sure there's no changes, no play-in uh, games in, That's correct. Uh, in yeah. this one. No play-in matchups. Levi, do you have a timer on deck? I do. In the I, event of an emergency. Yes, I have a stopwatch running right now on my phone, and I'm just going to hit laps every time we start a new matchup. Okay, so we have four regions. We have the Disney-fied region, which are basically just classic live-action Disney movies. They're kind of what you think of when you think Disney live-action. We have the sports exclamation point region, which is exactly what it sounds like. Yep. We have the not like other Disney movies region, which are basically movies that were produced by Disney, originally by Disney, not bought at a later point by Disney. But you may not think of them when you think Disney. And then the final region are the 2000s Teen Johns, uh, which are the 2000s Teen Queen movies, essentially. Yeah. For the most part. So starting with the Disney 5 region, our one seed is, to no one's surprise, I think, Hocus Pocus, the Halloween classic. Yes. And Hocus Pocus is facing the Cinderella TV adaptation starring Brandy. Yeah. And I think that makes it in, uh, even though it is an adaptation of an, uh, an original animated film, because it's different enough. And it's also from like 1997, uh, I think. So I think it, it separates itself enough from the animated one that that's why this is in it. And we're going to read out the plot, uh, the general plot of each movie here, along with the director and any stars of note that were in the movie. So starting with Hocus Pocus, the synopsis is a curious youngster named max moves with his family to salem massachusetts where he struggles to fit in awakening a trio of diabolical witches that were executed in the 17th century with the help of a friend and his little sister halloween proves to be much more interesting than he bargained for hocus pocus was directed by kenny ortega who also directed uh, High School Musical, The Cheetah Girls, and a few Gilmore Girls episodes, I, I found out. Uh, the stars of note are obviously Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimi? Najimi? Uh, Najimi is how I've always heard it. Peggy Hill! <laughs> and then uh, the synopsis of Cinderella starring Brandy. Cinderella chafes under the cruelty of her wicked stepmother and her evil stepsisters, Calliope and Minerva, until her fairy godmother steps in to change her life for one unforgettable night. At the ball, she falls for handsome Prince Christopher, whose parents, King Maximilian and Queen Constantina, are anxious for him to find a suitable paramour. The director of the Cinderella adaptation was uh, Robert Iscove. Iskov, who also directed Your Favorite and Mine from Justin to Kelly and various <laughs> and sundry TV movies. Um, and the stars of note, obviously, Brandy Norwood, Whoopi Goldberg, Whitney Houston, and Jason Alexander. So two uh, kind of cultural touchstones here. Where are we at with uh, with this? Um, just gut instinct. It's it's Hocus Pocus for me, um, just because Hocus Pocus, Hocus Pocus is a classic killer cast it's ridiculous and over the top and so campy in a great way and i watch it at least twice a year because at least once during halloween and at least once just some other time during the year um all due respect to brandy and every other amazing person in uh that cinderella but it, it can't hold a candle to hocus pocus i uh feel a bit ashamed i have never seen hocus pocus oh <gasps> i know um <laughs> 
I've actually never seen either of these, but I made my decision based on the fact that I've never even heard of the Cinderella adaptation starring Brandy (laughs) at all. So I did also vote for Hocus Pocus, but it is based on nothing other than name recognition. (laughs) Uh, Pretty clean sweep on this one. I also moved Hocus Pocus on. I feel like Hocus Pocus as a whole appeals just as much to adults as it as it does to kids. I actually didn't watch Hocus Pocus until I was an adult. The autumn aesthetic, you can't you can't beat it. It's in Salem, Massachusetts for God's sake. Yeah. Um and the Sanderson sisters are iconic. Like no getting around that. But I do want to put some respect on Cinderella starring Brandy. Uh Whoopi Goldberg yeah. is so good in the movie. I, I had yeah. to rewatch it to re- to remember this. As far as the quality of like TV movies go, it's a it's a wonderful, engaging TV movie. It it keeps you there for the whole 90 minutes or so. And I think we also have to give credence to the just sheer diversity and kind yeah. of cultural merit of the movie. I mean, it's my understanding that a lot of Black girls and women, it was the first time that they really saw themselves as princesses in yeah. um in pop culture. So I think we, we really do need to give Cinderella its due for that reason. But just like you guys, I am also moving Hocus Pocus on to the sweet 16. Okay. Moving on to the next, the next matchup in the Disney fied region for the round of 32, we have Mary Poppins versus Enchanted. I think most of us are familiar with the plot of Mary Poppins, but for, uh, for consistency's sake, When Jane and Michael, the children of the wealthy and uptight Banks family, are faced with the prospect of a new nanny, they are pleasantly surprised by the arrival of the magical Mary Poppins. Embarking on a series of fantastical adventures with Mary and her cockney performer friend, Bert, the siblings try to pass on some of their nanny's sunny attitude to their preoccupied parents. Uh, Mary Poppins was directed by Robert Stevenson, who also did Old Yeller. He also directed Alfred Hitchcock Presents on TV in the 60s. Yeah. And then the stars of note, obviously, (laughs) the great Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke. Yes. Um, Now, Enchanted, we have the beautiful Princess Giselle is banished by evil Queen Queen Nerissa from her magical musical animated land and finds herself in the gritty reality of the streets of modern day Manhattan. Shocked by the strange new environment that doesn't operate on a, quote, happily ever after basis, Giselle is now adrift in a chaotic world badly in need of enchantment. But when Giselle begins to fall in love with a charmingly flawed divorce lawyer who has come to her aid, even though she is already promised to a perfect fairy tale prince back home, she has to wonder, can a storybook view of romance survive in the real world? Enchante was directed by Kevin Lima who also did a Goofy movie and Tarzan, the animated movies. And stars of note, this this movie's chock full. You got Amy Adams, Susan Sarandon, James Marsden, Patrick Dempsey, Idina Menzel, and Timothy Spall, to name a few. <laughs> yeah, that this movie is packed. So I'll lead this off saying that I have Mary Poppins going forward, but Enchanted is incredible. This, literally the second matchup of this bracket, it was pretty tight for me. And I did not grow up watching Mary Poppins, just because I don't think it appealed to like a typical little boy's sensibilities necessarily, but I appreciate it for what it is. It's like one of the all-time like iconic Disney movies. Yeah. Nick, what about you? Uh, well, it's interesting because didn't, um, didn't Julie Andrews actually narrate Enchanted as well? Yes, she yeah. did. Which is crazy that we have two Julie Andrews movies going head to head. I 
figured we wouldn't get there until you know the very end with Lindsay Lohan maybe but uh (laughs) no I I grew up watching Mary Poppins uh it was one of my grandpa's favorite movies and uh I feel like I've only ever seen Enchanted maybe once or twice on television so uh I had to give it to Mary Poppins just on the sheer nostalgia I also gave it to Mary Poppins. You know, Enchanted's a really fun movie. There are a few yeah. really good musical numbers in it, but I would literally jump off a bridge if Julie Andrews told me to jump off a bridge. So, <laughs> which seems valid yeah. in my no, that's opinion. Right. I, I'll interject with two things, three things actually related to this. One, Dame Julie Andrews, DBE, put some respect on her name. Two, this movie for Mary Poppins, she won the Oscar for Best Actress for Mary Poppins. And three, she managed to give us, in 1964, Mary Poppins, and one year later, Sound of Music. Like, this woman is a national treasure, and I'm not even from the nation that she is the treasure of. An international treasure. International, global treasure. Easy decision, I think, on on these first two, but uh, we're moving into the third matchup in the Disney-fied region. We've got Homeward Bound. Oh. Colon, the incredible journey versus Pirates of the Caribbean, colon, Curse of the Black Pearl. Homeward Bound is about three pets, Chance, a young dog unfamiliar with the world, Shadow, an aging wise dog, and Sassy, a snobby cat. They're left behind when their family goes on vacation. Unsure of what happened, the animals set out on a quest to find their family. This journey across America is very dangerous and the animals risk never seeing their masters again. The group of pets travel across forested mountains and areas of wide open countryside while their family searches for them in the same areas. Directed by Dwayne Dunham, who also directed Little Giants, uh, Halloween Town, along with a couple other Disney Channel original movies. And the movie stars Michael J. Fox and Sally Field, amongst others. Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. I don't think we need a whole lot of reminders, but again, for consistency's sake, this swashbuckling tale follows the quest of Captain Jack Sparrow, a savvy pirate, and Will Turner, a resourceful blacksmith, as they search for Elizabeth Swan. Elizabeth, the daughter of the governor and the love of Will's life, has been kidnapped by the feared Captain Barbosa. Little do they know, the fierce and clever Barbosa has been cursed. He, along with his large crew, are under an ancient curse, doomed for eternity to neither live nor die. That is, unless a blood sacrifice is made. It was directed by Gore Verbinski, who also directed The Ring, the other Pirates of the Caribbean movies, and Rango, a CGI animated movie, and stars of note, Johnny Depp, Orlando Bloom, Keira Knightley, Jeffrey Rush, Jonathan Price. The list Everyone. goes on. Everyone's Everyone. in this movie. <laughs> yeah, and we should note, we know that Johnny Depp is problematic in yeah. various ways. Uh, we are not going to talk about that because... We don't talk about real and serious things on this podcast. Yes. We aren't taking that into account because we're looking at the movie as a whole. Yes. <laughs> a couple of thoughts right out the gate. One, I watched Homeward Bound a lot as a kid um, because oh. I I always had pets and I always was in the need of a good cry. I did not rewatch this and I don't think I have watched it as an adult and I refuse to. There are two movies on this list that I will never, ever, ever rewatch. Homeward Bound and we'll get to it in a minute, Old Yeller. Not happening. Never going to rewatch them. I actually didn't know until researching for this. It's a remake of a movie from 1963. Yeah. I had no idea. I Um, think the the original was just called The Incredible Journey. Yes. Yeah, it is. There is also the second Homeward Bound, which I remember as well. That one's like San Francisco, I think. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Homeward Bound is great. That being said, 
Curse of the Black Pearl was one of the first DVDs I ever owned. Uh, I had like the three layer, like snap open DVD case for it. I saw it in theaters. I watched it. God, probably there was like a two year period where I owned like three DVDs. It was Pirates of the Caribbean, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and The Matrix. And so like that's all I watched was those three movies for like a year and a half. So I have Pirates moving forward strictly just because... I've seen it so much. It's so like ingrained in my And you also head. refuse to watch Homeward Bound. Yeah. yeah. Like, what, what say you? Uh, you know, I did not grow up watching things like Homeward Bound or other animal focused movies because uh, my parents didn't love me. I never had pets. <laughs> so uh, I got to go with pirates. There's just something about the, the roguish uh, life of, you know, of Captain Jack and the fact that you can go dun 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 and everybody will just have it stuck in their heads the whole song for the rest of the day i love the pirates of the caribbean movies (laughs) you could play the theme song to pirates of the caribbean at like a college football game and the entire stadium will go crazy oh 100 yeah absolutely (laughs) name me a song Um, from homeward bound you can do that with (laughs) go ahead try it i can't i can't now, I rewatched Homeward Bound in, in preparation for this bracket. Terrible decision to do that in the middle of a work day. <laughs> yeah, I saw you tweeting Ter- about it. <laughs> I, I cannot recommend that less than I have already recommended it on Twitter. <laughs> so many tears. I, 15 minutes in, I was bawling. I will say Sally Field makes an excellent cat. Yeah. But... I also have pirates moving on. It is a it's a cultural milestone of the 2000s. Like yeah. just like just like you said Nick, everyone knows the theme song, everyone knows Captain Jack Sparrow. I think there are a lot of people who view Will Turner and Elizabeth's um, love story as like one for the ages as far as uh, recent fictional love stories go. So Pirates I think is the obvious choice here. Yeah. Okay, moving into the last matchup of the round of 32 in the Disney-fied region, we have the Santa Claus versus the Parent Trap. Uh, the Santa Claus is about a divorcee whose name is Scott Calvin, and he is disgusted to learn that his ex and her husband have tried and failed to break it easy to their six-year-old son, Charlie, that Santa is not real. On Christmas Eve, Scott receives an unexpected visitor on his roof. When he's startled by Scott's calling out and falls, the Santa impersonator disappears, leaving only an eight reindeer sleigh and a suit with instructions to put it on if he's involved in an accident. Scott does and is taken to the North Pole, where he's informed by a group who claim they're elves that he is now Santa. Charlie is proud of his dad's new job. There's just one problem, how to keep it secret from his disbelieving family. Uh, The Santa Claus was directed by John Pasquin, who also directed Jungle to Jungle, as well as Miss Congeniality 2. And the stars of note are uh, obviously Tim Allen, who stars as the titular Santa Claus. And uh, Judge Reinhold is also in the movie. The Parent Trap, we are doing the remake in this one, so the Lindsay Lohan version. Uh, When two preteens named Hallie and Annie meet through their summer camp, their lives are rattled when they realize that they are identical twins with parents famous British dress designer Elizabeth and American vineyard owner named Nick living on two different sides of the Atlantic Ocean. The girls decide to make an identity swap in hopes of spending time with their other parent. They later choose to inform their guardians of the swap while at a hotel in San Francisco, which reunites the divorced pair. Chaos ensues 
with Nick about to marry 25-year-old publicist Meredith Blake. The parent track was directed by the rom-con queen, Nancy Myers, who also directed, amongst other things, Something's Gotta Give and Holiday Classic, The Holiday. (laughs) And it, of course, stars Lindsay Lohan, uh, Dennis Quaid, and Natasha Richardson, Rest in the Most Peace. Oh, God, I forgot about that. I forgot she died. Okay, yeah, so my wife really gave it to me when she found out that we were talking about the Lindsay Lohan, Lohan, I'm gonna say Lohan, Lindsay Lohan parent trap, because she watched the Haley Mills one uh, growing up, the 60s one. This was a tough one for me. I have a soft spot for Lindsay Lohan, especially like this era, because this is like the one I, the version of her I grew up with. But the Santa Claus is... Just so good and so fun. I watch it every year around Christmas time. It's one of like the five or six movies I have to watch every holiday. Yeah, I just love it so much. Tim Allen's great. Again, uh, Tim Allen is very problematic, but we are not going to cover that in this uh, in this show. I'll say. Um, Tim Allen's great. Judge Reinhold is great. David Crumholtz, Peter Boyle. Like there's so many good people in this movie. Also, again, a franchise where the first one is incredible. The second one's okay. And the third one is terrible. I uh, I gotta say, I also asked whether we do, we were doing the original or the remake because I grew up with the Haley Mills version. I loved it. Mm. Uh, I loved it so much. I do think the Lindsay Lohan version is also very, very good. I do not like Tim Allen at all. Regardless of how problematic he is, I don't think he's very funny. I never liked, uh, what was it, Home Improvement. Yeah. I just, I don't find him funny. Everybody else in that movie is great. It's very Christmassy. Yeah. But I had to give it to the parent trap here uh, just because that story is so it's just such a fun story. And so you give it to the parent trap, not because you love this version of the parent trap, but because you dislike Tim Allen so much. Correct. (laughs) Yeah, that is that is absolutely accurate. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I don't particularly love Tim Allen either. I didn't watch Home Improvement. I didn't care about it. Um, And honestly, I think you could replace him with anyone in this movie and I would still love the Santa Claus. Allison, you might be the tiebreaker here. Well, as a girl growing up in the 90s, I was born in 1993, The Parent Trap was a seminal viewing experience. Like, there, there's no way about it. I think, the, I think The Parent Trap, this version, came out in 98. For me, The Parent Trap is in the same category as, like, The Spice Girls. And, <laughs> like, Josie and the Pussycats classic 2001 one of my favorite films (laughs) i was too young to really like appreciate it at like the right age yeah quote unquote right age but as i grew up and and had the ability to like view view these movies and understand them the parent trap was a classic for me i like the santa claus i think it's a I think it's a good Christmas movie, but I think it's a movie that you really only want to watch generally at a specific time of year. The Parent Trap, you can watch at any time of year and you can enjoy the lovely stylings of Nat King Cole at the start. And you know what? I'm willing to give it to The Parent Trap solely on the back of Nancy Myers because Nancy Myers is a treasure. Uh, She directed one of my all-time favorite movies, The Intern, with Robert De Niro and Anne Hathaway. Uh, Nancy Myers is incredible and anything she touches turns to gold, so I am willing to give it to Parent Trap just based entirely on that. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so the Parent Trap moves on to the Sweet 16 here. And we, I, in record time, We're killing we have it. finished uh, one region of our round of 32. So we can keep chugging along here to the sports exclamation point region uh, <laughs> where the one seed is 
to no one's surprise at all, Remember the Titans, a classic. And uh, Remember the Titans is going up against Angels in the Outfield, which not on Disney Plus for anyone who has the urge to watch it. Really? <laughs> it's not on Disney Plus. I I don't know what the deal is there, but there must be along. some licensing issue. That's that's weird though. I wonder if it's the I wonder if it's the baseball teams because apparently the mm. Toronto Blue Jays are mentioned and like in it by name, so it might be an issue with Major League Baseball. Could be. Yeah. Um, okay, so the plot of Remember the Titans. Suburban Virginia schools have been segregated for generations. One black and one white school are closed and the students sent to T.C. Williams High School under federal mandate to integrate. The year is seen through the eyes of the football team where the man hired to coach the black school is made head coach over the highly successful white coach. Based on the actual events of 1971, the team becomes the unifying symbols for the community as the boys and the adults learn to depend on and trust each other. Directed by Boaz Yakin, apologies if that's a mispronunciation, who also directed Uptown Girls. And stars of note, chock full, once again, we have Denzel Washington, Donald Faison, Hayden Panettiere. I think this is Hayden Panettiere's uh, first role in a major motion picture. Yeah. Uh, Kate Bosworth is also in this, as well as Ryan Gosling. Yeah. There you go. And then we move into Angels in the Outfield. Roger, who has lost his mother, is living separated from his father. As he and his friend JP are fans of the California Angels baseball team, he has got only two dreams, living together with a real family and seeing the Angels win the pennant. That's the That's long it. short of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there's some divine intervention in the movie, and hence the title. It was directed by William Deere, who, as I went through his IMDb page, I didn't really recognize any like movies or TV shows of note, but... Maybe that's mm. just me. And then stars of note, we have Danny Glover, Tony Danza, Christopher Lloyd, Matthew McConaughey, Adrian Brody, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, amongst others. So there are a lot of like capital N names in Angels in the Outfield. Yeah. I have opinions about Angels in the Outfield. Oh, uh, one being, besides the fact that it's not streaming on Disney+, Plus, yeah. I watched clips and tr the trailer because I just needed a refresher and I also read the plot on um, on Wikipedia. Weird religious elements going on there that I did not <laughs> expect out of a Disney movie. Yeah. Uh, needless to say, I moved on Remember the Titans. It's a classic. Yeah. Everyone who grew up in the 2000s has watched it. Well, most people have watched it multiple times. Of course, acknowledging that it isn't the most historically accurate portrayal of the events featured in the movie. But I think Denzel Washington's turn as the head coach is just... There's a, there's a reason why this movie is beloved, and I think it's on the back of not only the overarching message, but on the back of Denzel's performance. Yeah, 100%. Uh, what say you, Nick? Uh, I would totally agree with that. I mean, this was a tough matchup for me because I do love me some uh, baby JGL just flapping his arms, you know, in the dugout <laughs> like an idiot. Uh, but I mean, remember the Titans is so good and it's just iconic. Like, but I mean, both of these movies, I think back to, you know, like Saturday afternoons or whatever in front of the TV with my brother and sister, just like, you know, one or the other would be on like ABC family or something like that. It, it was tough, but I think remember the Titans, uh, just edges it out. Uh, yeah, I, 
completely agree. Angels and Alpha, I do have fond memories of it. It's a fun, like, little campy, mid-90s Tony Danza vehicle. He did a lot of funny, like, odd sports movies in the 90s for whatever reason, but Remember the Titans, oh my god, that makes up such a big part of my childhood. At the end of every school semester, that is the movie that my middle school and high school teachers would put on when they were just trying to, like, run out the clock of, like, the last couple days of school. It was always Remember the Titans. Every teacher's got one. Yeah, yeah, and for me, yeah, this came out in 2000, I graduated high school in 2006, so literally, like, 7th and 8th grade, like, and then through high school, this was the movie. That's right. Remember, the Titans moves on to the Sweet 16, to no one's surprise. (laughs) Uh, Moving on to the next matchup, we have Invincible versus Airbud. Invincible uh, is about the summer of 1976, where 30-year-old Vince Papali is having a tough run of luck. He's been working as a substitute teacher for two days a week, but has just found out that his job has been eliminated because of budget cuts. His wife gives up on him, saying he'll never amount to anything and asks for a divorce. He works as a bartender and plays football with his friends. When the new coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, Dick Vermeil, announces that he will hold open tryouts for the team, Vince reluctantly decides to give it a try. And uh, this is also based on a true story. Directed by Eric Sincor, who also directed the 2015 remake of Point Break, and it stars Mark Wahlberg, Greg Kinnear, and Elizabeth Banks, amongst others. Airbud, I don't think Airbud needs any introduction, but here we are. Uh, an unexpected player joins the school basketball team, a circus dog who escaped from a cruel master. That's all. That's all we need to know. Uh, that's, all, that's all you need. Uh, it's Airbud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, directed by Charles Martin Smith, who also directed uh, both Dolphin Tail movies. And it stars Michael Jeter, who does a lot of the voice acting. And also, lest we forget, the real star of the movie, Buddy the Dog, who, fun fact, also played Comet in Full House. <laughs> yeah, he had a real run there in like the mid-90s. of being Apparent- So apparently Air Bud is not truly based off the true story, but based off, but semi-based off the story the real life story of buddy the dog yeah 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 his name is buddy the movie air bud is based off of him like that's right yeah it's it it's ridiculous it's super fun like and dumb and anything with animals as long as they're not being hurt i'm going to be partial to invincible is a good movie i do it i do recommend watching invincible i think it's a it's a good just like you know family sports drama type movie but it's hard not to move Airbud forward <laughs> yeah full disclosure um i'm not a huge football fan but yeah. the team that i do cheer for are the eagles and as far as what it means to like see the eagles and e- eagles fans portrayed on film I have mixed feelings about it, but I can't say that it's necessarily the most inaccurate portrayal. But what I really did like about Invincible as I rewatched it is the, I don't know if it's the cinematography necessarily, but I really loved how it had like a kind of a sepia tone to it. Because not only is it just like sepia tone in the sense that the movie was set in the 70s, so it looks like kind of old and crinkled a little bit in that regard. But it also looks like, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase it, um, it, it looks like the movie is lit by streetlights. And mm. given how, how the city of Philadelphia looks at night and the fact that, you know, it is set in a city, um, I think it's a really nice touch from that perspective. That said, I have Airbud moving on, but I do have questions about the movie Airbud. <laughs> <laughs> One, I have questions about the kid in the movie, whose name is slipping my mind at the moment, working on his own in the equipment room doing like washing jerseys and and stuff because I worked in an equipment room in college and 
those those machines are not child safe. So I have questions <laughs> about what's going on there. Second of all, there is a little bit of the I don't even know if I could say a little bit. There is definitely um the magical negro trope included mm. in the film, which for those not familiar, the magical negro trope is basically where the story uses a sage black character to kind of guide the mostly white characters in the right direction. Um, sometimes they have magic powers. Sometimes they're just a bit mysterious. Um, in this case, Arthur Cheney, who, um, who I'm talking about here, who is the, the replacement coach. Yeah. He kind of, he fits that mold a little bit. And I, I think, I think there's a bit of acknowledgement that has to go on there that it, it, Arthur Cheney's character and characterization was really in service of not just the white characters, but also a dog. Uh, so. Yeah, <laughs> and and honestly, this is sort of a blanket statement that we can make right now. A lot of these movies are from the '90s or before, and the '90s were problematic as fuck, y'all. <laughs> like, it, there there's a lot of issues in a lot of these films, and we don't want to uh, brush them aside. But if we if we talk about them in all the movies, this podcast is going to be even longer than our first episode was. Yeah, exactly. I do. I do also want to say that I think Airbud covers very serious topics in a way that mm. is really digestible for kids, uh, which I think is why the the movie has stood the test of time. It's not just a dog that can do cool tricks between yeah. I think it's divorce. If I'm not mistaken, kid mm-hmm. moves to a new town. You have an abusive coach like holy shit, the abusive coach <laughs> in this movie that thank God does get fired. Um, but seeing that happen in a kid's movie is, is really something I don't think necessarily we would see that in kids movies today. Yeah. Um, but also LOL at the other team losing to a dog. (laughs) Get Um, wrecked other team. And now Nick, I know that you're a basketball fan. Yeah. In some respects. Oh yeah. Um, can you verify whether or not Airbud committed a charging foul at the end? He's he's a dog. Of course he did. (laughs) Uh, that's what they do he was excited all that being said i would rather watch a dog play basketball than anybody from philly do anything so how dare you (laughs) (laughs) just straight for the jugular airbud airbud's here rocky is just below it (laughs) oh my lord in heaven above everyone gets the clean sweep Airbud goes. Has come for my throat. And we move <laughs> along before the fists get thrown. Okay, so the next matchup in our sports section is I think this is possibly the hardest matchup of the round of 32. We I 100% have, agree. <laughs> we have the Mighty Ducks, the first movie, versus Cool Runnings. Cool. Um, and as a reminder, the Mighty Ducks synopsis. Gordon Bombay, a hotshot lawyer, is haunted by memories of his childhood when, as the star player of his champion ice hockey team, he lost the winning goal in a shootout, thereby losing the game and the approval of his coach. After being charged for drunk driving, the court orders him to coach a peewee hockey team, the worst in the league. Gordon is at first very reluctant. However, he eventually gains the respect of the kids and teaches them how to win, gaining a sponsor on the way and giving the team the name The Ducks. In the finals, they face Gordon's old team, coached by Gordon's old coach, giving Gordon a chance to face old ghosts. Uh, Directed by Stephen Herrick, who also... (laughs) I was shocked (laughs) to learn about uh, Stephen's resume here. He directed Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Mr. Holland's Opus, uh, the 1996 live-action 101 Dalmatians, 
Rockstar, starring Mar- Mark Wahlberg, and also Man of the House. <laughs> um, and of course, it stars Emilio Estevez, Joshua Jackson, and Sean Weiss, who may not ring any bells, but he was a mainstay of 90s kids movies, as he was also in Heavyweights, which we will get to uh, at a later point in the bracket. Yeah. And then the synopsis of Cool Runnings. Based on a true story, of course, four Jamaicans form their country's first ever bobsled team to compete in the upcoming 1988 Calgary Winter Olympics. They enlist the help of a disgraced former Olympic gold winner to reluctantly coach them. However, when they reach Canada, they're treated as outsiders by the other teams who fear they'll only succeed in embarrassing the sport. Directed by John Turtletaub, who also did National Treasure, While You Were Sleeping, and the classic shark movie the meg and it of course stars john candy as the uh disgraced former olympic gold coach this was the toughest matchup in the entire bracket for me i absolutely adore both of these movies i re-watch both of them multiple times a year including the entire mighty ducks franchise i was watching d2 like two nights ago didn't need to i remember the movie didn't need to be refreshed on it i could have watched something else but i watched d2 the mighty ducks because it's a com- it's comfort food in movie form to me yeah this was a tough one but i ultimately moved mighty ducks forward mainly on the strength of the franchise as opposed to Cool Runnings being a one standalone movie. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can uh, abide <laughs> that. I well, was told hit, we were hit me with some counter arguments. <laughs> Nick, go off. No, go this off. was this was a very very tough decision, and honestly, like Mighty Ducks holds a special place in my heart because it was filmed largely in Minnesota, the state of my birth and where I mm. currently reside. Uh, they're both so good, but I think th- the one that I remember watching more is Cool Runnings. I just I loved John Candy, you know, in his heyday. I I loved the idea of these guys. I mean, it, it really is sort of a fish out of water story, you know, going from Jamaican sprinters to. Uh, an ice sport and just sort of like finding their own groove. Like I learned how to count to three in German because of that movie. Uh, <laughs> but I, I had to move on cool runnings just because I think if, if you give the mighty ducks, the entire franchise, sure. I think it runs away with it, but on the strength of the movie alone, I just, I think cool runnings wraps up uh, in, in such a very cool way. Heck, get it. <laughs> all right we're Let's ending see. the podcast <laughs> <laughs> um i am on the same page as nick levi you are far outnumbered here by one the mighty ducks is great uh obviously a lot of nostalgia in it yeah. it's not that good a movie when you revisit it as an adult i'm sorry it's not i think it i think emilio estevez is good in it first of all the flying v doesn't even work you know what? This has been well established amongst <laughs> hockey circles, uh, but the flying V is a dumb tactic. That's a nitpick, though, as far as yeah. it goes. It's, but- it's ridiculous, the first one especially. Like, the premise is he's a fucking alcoholic lawyer who gets a DUI, and then the, his punishment is, here, go be in charge of a bunch of at-risk youth. <laughs> like, right. it's ridiculous, but it's so good. That being said... I have no problems Cool Runnings moving on because it's it's incredible. This was like a one A one B situation for me. Yeah, we are we are kissing the lucky egg here. Cool Runnings <laughs> is moving on. I also want to say about Cool Runnings the fact that it it kind of handles racism in a more 
I don't want to say realistic way because um, that's not the right word for it, but in, but in a more subtle way than mm. say what we see in Remember the Titans, you yeah. know, where it's very outright where there's segregation and integration and picketing outside of the buses and all that. Whereas in Cool Runnings, it's very much in the interpersonal relationships between, is it the Swiss? No. Is it the Swiss team? That that team? is one of the uh, yeah, and then the it's Germans like their main yeah. yeah. So I think as far as the port the portrayal of real life issues, which we we see a lot in in all of these live action Disney movies, I think Cool Runnings really does it justice. Uh, in in my personal white lady opinion, <laughs> uh, and, so and we know if there's one thing white ladies have, it's opinions. I mean, you're not <laughs> wrong. Um, I will take that on the chin. <laughs> Cool Runnings, move it on. It's an incredible film. It's uh, bobsled time. Yeah, it's bobsled. Uh, fill the rhythm. Fill the rhyme. So our last matchup in the round of 32 for the sports region, we have The Big Green versus Miracle. Uh, the Big Green is about a teacher on exchange from England who is placed in an underachieving Texan school where she coaches the children in soccer, which improves their self-esteem and it leads to unexpected success. Directed by Holly Goldberg Sloan, which is one of the very few female directors we have on on mm. this bracket. But uh, she didn't. She, in my opinion, based off the IMDb resume, I didn't really see any other directorial works of note. And then the biggest star of that I could find in the cast was Patrick Renna, who played Ham in The Sandlot. So <laughs> yeah, well, that and Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. That's the big green. And then Miracle, based on a true story. It's the true story of Herb Brooks, uh, the player turned coach who led the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team to victory over the seemingly invincible Soviet squad. Directed by Gavin O'Connor, who also did Pride and Glory, Warrior. And he also directed the pilot of the hit TV show, The Americans. Huh. And then the stars of note, Kurt Russell, Patricia Clarkson, uh, Noah Emmerich is also in it. And then Eddie Cahill, who... A lot of us know from uh, Friends, who played uh, Rachel's love interest for a portion of the series. Mm. Okay, before I reveal my hand here, I'm going to let y'all take it, because I think I'm going to get yelled at. So, Nick, take it away. <laughs> yeah, um, I am not going to lie. Until this very moment, I thought The Big Green was about golf. I have never <laughs> seen it. I made an assumption based on the name, and... Herb Brooks was from Minnesota, so miracle goes on. <laughs> um, I uh, not for the same reasons necessarily, but I also moved miracle on. Uh, I I think Kurt Russell deserved an Oscar nomination for his turn as uh, Herb Brooks. Personally, I think he was exceptional in that role. I don't necessarily love the fact that in like a real world context, the 1980 game kind of engenders a lot of American jingoism and it also influences uh, USA Hockey's strategy in compiling the team for each <laughs> Olympic cycle to this day which uh, hasn't exactly voted well for Team USA <laughs> in, in quite a while so there's that but as far as the movie goes I think the hockey scene the hockey scenes and how it's choreographed it's unbelievable um i remember watching the behind the scenes kind of making of documentary that was on the dvd and just being amazed at how they pulled that off i also really love that the actors that play a lot of the players were unknowns like they weren't actors they they, yeah. they they really cast them for one the fact that they could 
play hockey at a high enough level. And two, the fact that they looked like the actual players (laughs) from the 1980 team. But I think... I personally couldn't tell. I mean, granted, I was a kid when I first saw this movie, but um, to this day, I can't really tell that they were unknowns and they weren't like actors. Yeah. So Miracle Uh, moves on for me. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, it doesn't for me, but (laughs) (gasps) (laughs) I picked the Big Green mostly because it, again, I think it is because of the Patrick Renna connection. Big Green, in my mind, is the Sandlot, but soccer, ragtag, misfits. Also, theme here, Mighty Ducks is the exact same thing. I'm going to be honest, I picked <laughs> Big Green to go on almost entirely because I had such a crush on Olivia Diabo, I think is how you say her name. She, she played play- the teacher, right? Yeah, she's the the British teacher, and she is also Karen Arnold, uh, Kevin Arnold's sister in The Wonder Years. And that is where I developed my crush on her. So when I saw her in this with a British accent, I was like, yeah, that's going to be in my memory for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, I, a valid reason, I think, for any young <laughs> young man. Yeah, but that being said, <laughs> Miracle is incredible. It, it should move on based on merit. <laughs> okay, well, Miracle moves on to the Sweet 16. Uh, two out of three votes for that one. And we are done with sports. We will now move on to the not-like-other-Disney-movies region, where our one seed is National Treasure, a national treasure, versus <laughs> George of the Jungle, And in case anyone needs reminding, Benjamin Franklin Gates descends from a family of treasure seekers who've all hunted for the same thing, a war chest hidden by the founding fathers after the Revolutionary War. Ben's close to discovering its whereabouts, as is his competition, but the FBI is also hip to the hunt. Uh, Also directed by John Turneltaub and stars of note, Nick Cage, Diane Kruger, Sean Bean is in it, John Boyd, Harvey Keitel, and Christopher Plummer, just to name a few. And then George of the Jungle is about a man raised in the jungle by apes who falls in love with a wealthy American heiress. Directed by Sam Weissman, who also directed D2 The Mighty Ducks. And it stars Brendan Fraser as the titular George of the Jungle, Leslie Mann as the wealthy American heiress, and uh, also Thomas Hayden Church is in the movie. Yeah, George of the Jungle, for anyone who hasn't seen it, is, it's a Tarzan parody. Like, it's, there there is an original George of the Jungle, or I think it's based on like a comic book, maybe? But the entire... The medium of George of the Jungle is a parody of Tarzan, essentially. And it features Brendan Fraser at his absolute jacked height. Most shredded. My god, I forgot how incredibly good-looking 90s Brendan Fraser is. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Um, That was involuntary. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I personally have National Treasure moving on. Okay, so I rewatched George of the Jungle for the first time as an adult. First of all, you have the iconic theme song, which, go listen to it if you haven't heard it in a while. It's a bop. Yes. Um, The comedy in it feels like Monty Python-esque, which I really Mm. love. It's very, um, it's very dry, but it's very self-referential. Small, small nitpick, lions don't live in the jungle. So (laughs) the lion's appearance is mm, out of line for me. Is that what set it uh, below National Treasure for you? Yeah, because no, I hate to break it to you, but uh, a lot of the stuff in National Treasure not super realistic. Uh, no, what did um, what what uh, put George of the Jungle below National Treasure for me was the fact that National Treasure to me makes a better film. Uh, yeah. I think George of the Jungle would have made an amazing TV series, oh. but. It feels very, uh, like the events of the movie feel very serialized to me. So, uh, whereas National Treasure feels like a more cohesive movie. I am also a, uh, an absolute sucker for any sort of, like, 
treasure-seeking movie. Like, anything that involves, like, figuring out clues and puzzles and stuff, I am about it. National Treasure is infinitely rewatchable, in my opinion. So, yeah, it was a, a hard, hard second-round pick for me. Uh, same. I, it, this was another tough one, because I really do love... Brendan Fraser specifically, and Leslie Mann is great too. Side note, I would totally watch a George of the Jungle series. Like <laughs> yeah. if, if HBO picked that up or something. Oh my God, I would totally yeah, do that. It'd be so good. But I, th- I think you're right. National Treasure just makes a better movie. It's a, it's a classic. It's actually, of all of these movies, uh, the one that I have seen most recently. Like I watched it a few months ago just for the picks. <laughs> but yeah, National Treasure takes it for me. Yeah, a clean sweep for National Treasure there. Uh, so our next round of 32 matchup, we have The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, versus The Muppet Christmas Carol. Two winter movies going head-to-head here. In case anyone needs reminding, uh, Chronicles of Narnia synopsis is four kids travel through a wardrobe to the land of Narnia and learn of their destiny to free it with the guidance of a mystical lion, uh, obviously based off the book series by C.S. Lewis. Chronicles of Narnia was directed by Andrew Adamson, who also directed Shrek, Shrek 2, and the second Chronicles of Narnia movie, Prince Caspian. Uh, And it stars Tilda Swinton, James McAvoy, and Jim Broadbent, to name a few. And then The Muppet Christmas Carol. The Muppet characters tell their version of the classic tale of an old and bitter miser's redemption on Christmas Eve. Not much more to it. Directed by Brian Henson, who also did Muppet Treasure Island (laughs) and various TV series uh, dealing with the Muppets. And it stars Michael Caine, who plays Scrooge, and then of course, it stars every single Muppet. Yeah, all of them. Uh, okay, so uh, a couple things. One, I am a huge Muppet person, and that just goes along with being a Disney person. But this was directed by Brian Henson, who is Jim Henson's son, and this was the first Muppet movie produced after Jim Henson died. And so Brian oh. Henson took over directing. This is his first film that he directed. I would have been fine with any Muppet movie being like in this spot, and I think... You probably could interchange them as far as quality, but this is a, a Christmas movie I can watch at any point during the year and enjoy uh-huh. it. But I love it. It's not my favorite Muppet movie. My favorite is The Muppets Take Manhattan, but Muppets was, it moved forward for me. That being said, I do really like Chronicles of Narnia. It's a fun movie. Nick? I, uh, so I feel like I've only seen the this Chronicles of Narnia movie like once, and mm-hmm. it just didn't grab me. I uh, I love Tilda Swinton and I liked the books well enough, but for whatever reason, I just I was not grabbed by it. And everything the Muppets I've ever seen has been uh, infinitely enjoyable. So yeah, this was a pretty easy pick for me. Muppets Christmas Carol takes it. Uh, I did not grow up watching the Muppets at all. I I mean I watched Sesame Street, but the Muppets weren't a part of like my childhood canon. So I never saw them up at Christmas Carol. So I moved Chronicles of Narnia on by virtue of that. I still think Chronicles of Narnia is a be- is a stunning movie. Like when you watch yeah. it, the the set design and, and the cinematography is is gorgeous. Yeah. And also the score is one of my favorites that I can remember listening to. So those are all the positives for me. But again. I moved Chronicles of Narnia on by virtue of never seeing Muppet Christmas Carol, so I am not upset about leaving it behind. That's that's fair. All right, so Muppet Christmas Carol moves on to the Sweet 16, and we move on to our next matchup in the uh, not-like-other-Disney-movies region, which is Flubber versus Old Yeller. Now, this is... Flubber, I think, next! Yeah, yeah, I think all of us have uh, have Flubber moving on, but... 
for the sake of consistency, the flubber synopsis is having already missed his wedding to his beautiful sweetheart, Sarah, twice, the happy absent-minded professor, Dr. Philip Bernard, is it Brainard or Brain? I think it's Brainard. Philip Brainard, like the town of Minnesota, is struggling to come up with a brilliant invention to save Medfield College from closure. However, as good things come to those who wait, the eccentric inventor stumbles upon an innovative but highly unstable formula for flubber, a mysterious rubber-like hybrid elastomer that can lift objects, bouncing and stretching as if it had a mind of its own. Of course, this unique but untamed creation catches the attention of a ruthless rival who is bent on getting his hands on the extraordinary substance. But first, he will have to catch it. Can Dr. Brainerd protect his invention? Directed by Les Mayfield, who did Encino Man, the 1995 remake of Miracle on 34th Street and American Outlaws. And it, of course, stars the unmatched Robin Williams and Marsha Gay Harden. So, Old Geller is about a teenage boy uh, who grows to love a stray yellow dog while helping his mother and younger brother run their Texas homestead while their father is away on a cattle drive. First thought to be a good-for-nothing mutt, Old Yeller is soon beloved by all, directed by Robert Stevenson, and the one star of note is Spike, who plays Old Yeller. <sighs> okay, one, Flubber is really fun. Both the Robin Williams one and the original Absent-Minded Professor from the 60s, they're both enjoyable. I, I, God love Robin Williams, rest in peace, he's incredible. Danny Elfman does the music for it, and he's incredible. Two, fuck Old Yeller. Fuck that movie, never watching it. <laughs> I watched it, you know, a couple times as a kid, never watching it again as an adult. Or if I do, I'm going to do like I do with I Am Legend, and I'm just going to, like, cut out, like, the section where the dog dies and just ignore the rest of it. Spoilers. Oh, spoilers. Yeah, spoilers, yeah. <laughs> but I respect Old Yeller for what it is, and it is a good movie that teaches kids about the, you know, losing pets and things like that. But no, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, Flubber moves on uh, not only because of, everything that Levi just said, but also because Robin Williams. Robin Williams. Yeah, Tour de exactly. Force. I will say, though, there was one point I was talking with some friends about the Old Yeller uh, movie, and one of them had confused Old Yeller with Lassie. And oh, uh, for the rest of the day, we would just look at each other and say, no, Pa, Lassie's my dog. I'll do it. <laughs> um, amazing. Um, also, I don't know if you mentioned this, but the Robin Williams flubber was written by John Hughes. (laughs) Oh, I didn't know that. I did not say that, and I did not know that. Yeah, because he also wrote the script for the Miracle on 34th Street remake, and they're both directed by the same guy. Yeah, but John Hughes, another force. We could do a John Hughes bracket. We'll put it on the list. Yeah. (laughs) Flubber in a landslide. Okay, so we are moving on to our last matchup in the Not Like Other Disney Movies region, in which we have Heavyweights versus the original Tron. Heavyweights is about Jerry, an overweight preteen who was sent to a fat camp for the summer, lured by the promise of go-karts and swimming fun. When he arrives, however, he finds that the camp has been bought out by an exercise-slash-fitness guru whose mental stability quickly deteriorates. Jerry and his friends, including a counselor who's been there for 18 years, finally take a stand. Directed by Stephen Brill, who also directed Little Nicky, Mr. Deeds, and Drillbit Taylor. And it stars Ben Stiller, Keenan Thompson, Paul Feig, uh, Sean Weiss, Jeffrey Tambor, and Jerry Stiller. And then Judd Apatow actually makes a cameo in the movie. Funny. He, he uh, co-wrote it. There you go. And then <laughs> Tron is about a hacker slash arcade owner, Kevin Flynn, who is digitally broken down into a data stream by a villainous software pirate known as Master Control. 
he is then reconstituted into the internal 3D graphical world of computers. It is there, in cyberspace, that Flynn joins forces with Tron to outmaneuver the master control program that holds them captive in the equivalent of a gigantic, infinitely challenging computer game. Directed by Steven Lisberg, uh, who didn't really have a ton of directing credits to his name, but he mm. is uh, better known for writing. Yeah. And then it stars, of course, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, so I'll preface this by saying I fully respect Tron for what it is. Like, at the time, the uh, effects of it were incredible. The premise was so, like, groundbreaking as, like, a sci-fi thing because it was based on computers, which it was the early 80s, so it was, you know, uh, Wild West. That being said, Heavyweights just holds such a place in my heart. As a fat kid, uh, then and now, that movie is, like, it's right in the middle of my soul and it's really funny. You rewatched it. Holds it holds up so well. Yeah, you rewatched it. It's great. Nick, what about you? Uh, you know, I hadn't seen Heavyweights in probably 15 years when I when I got this bracket. I still haven't seen it since then. But <laughs> Allison and I were chatting about it, and I don't have a whole lot of love for the Tron series in general. But the way, like, Allison really talked up Heavyweights, and I, I looked at the <laughs> cast list and remembered, like, who all was in it, and I was like... I mean, just on names alone, I feel like yeah. I feel like it has to take the first round. And as you know, as a, a, a fat kid then and now myself, it, it's it's got to move. It's got to go. Yeah, heavyweights yeah. also moves on for me. I have a lot of you know, just like Levi said, I have a lot of respect for Tron from the perspective of like technical. Pers- yeah, from from the from the perspective of technical achievements, and uh, it, it was kind of groundbreaking from an animation perspective and everything like that. For me personally, video game movies don't do it for me. I I understand that, you know, there's more to it, but I, I kind of check out with video game movies. Heavyweights is infinitely quotable. Having yes. uh, rewatched it in preparation for this bracket, it's one yeah. of the movies that I watched it as a kid, and then I would watch it like every few years, just maybe it would be on like ABC Family or, or what have you. But it holds up so well. The humor yeah. is so is so quality. There are some, you know, homophobic jokes in there and and the like yeah. because it's the '90s and not to excuse it, but it's it's of its time in that regard. Yeah. But Ben Stiller makes one of the best villains in a kids movie. Period. I wouldn't call it nuance per se, but uh, there's yeah. <laughs> depth to why he's villainous in the movie. And the lines are just they're everywhere with it. Lunch has been canceled due to lack of hustle. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> as one of the classic lines heavyweights also on for me yeah heavyweights is is a solid tron respect it to hell like it, it, i really enjoyed it i like the set the one they made much later as well also uh i recommended uh extra watching for anyone listening watch this movie and then go and watch dodgeball because i yes. really in headcanon that the tony parkis uh and heavyweights and whatever i can't remember his name in dodgeball i feel like they're related somehow like they're siblings or something like the way they act it feels like they're of the same ilk (laughs) my pet theory is that tony perkis came out of the heavyweights movie and then he went on to form globo gym and (laughs) then he became the fat kid all over again so it's the same it's like on the same continuum i i support that theory (laughs) yeah and i also want to say pat who is the camp counselor who's been at the camp for 18 years yeah uh, he's a body positivity hero yeah i'm just saying that he says it's not about losing weight. It's about respecting yourself and loving yourself for who you are. And I think that's the real message of the movie. So shout out Pat. 
Shout out heavyweights. <laughs> yeah. Go watch move it. Move on to the Sweet 16. Go watch it, it if you haven't. It is it, it, obviously it, it, Disney+. Plus. It is worth, worth watching in the year 2021. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so we're into our final region for the round of 32, which is the 2000s Teen Johns. Uh, now, John is Philly parlance for a noun, person, place, or thing. Uh, I, and did, our... I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> and now you did. I didn't when uh, I moved to the Philly area. Now it's just part of me. It's true. <laughs> Hang out with Allison long enough and it'll just happen to you. <laughs> uh, so our one seed in this region is the Princess Diaries, and it's going up against Sky High. Now, as a reminder, Princess Diaries plot, Mia Thermopolis, a socially awkward but very bright 15-year-old girl being raised by a single mom, discovers that she is the princess of a small European country because of the recent death of her long-absent father, who, unknown to her, was the crown prince of Genovia. She must make a choice between continuing the life of a San Francisco teen or stepping up to the throne. While Mia makes up her mind, she's pressed into taking princess lessons from her grandmother. Directed by Gary Marshall, king of yeah. heartwarming films. Uh, yeah. He also did Beaches, Pretty Woman, Runaway Bride, and The Princess Diaries 2. Uh, and it stars Annie Hathaway, Julie Andrews, Heather Matazzaro, Mandy Moore, Eric Von Detten, Sandra Oh, and Robert Schwartzman of Rooney fame. <laughs> and then Sky High, Will Stronghold has his share of anxieties about starting high school, but once he arrives on campus, he discovers he's attending Sky High, a special learning facility for the children of superheroes. Will realizes his father is actually superhuman crime fighter Captain Stronghold, while his mom is fellow champion Josie Jetstream. However, in Will's first few days at school, Coach Boomer is unable to discover any superior abilities in, in him, meaning that instead of joining the school's budding heroes, he's been relegated to the ranks of the lowly sidekicks. In time, Will discovers he happens to have super strength after all, but will he learn to hone his new gifts in time to fend off the bullies at school, get the girl of his dreams, and save his folks from a longtime nemesis? Sky High was directed by Mike Mitchell, who also did Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo, Shrek Forever After, Trolls, and the second Lego movie. And it stars Kurt Russell, Kelly Preston, Michael Angarano. Yeah. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Okay. Daniel Panabaker. Excuse me. Danielle Panabaker. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Linda Carter and Cloris Leachman are also in the movie. So I, I'll start this by saying I actually have a soft spot for Sky High. I actually watched it, rewatched it not that long ago, maybe last year. It's a very enjoyable movie. It's a fun, like campy romp. It's a good romp. And, it, and for some reason, it has a lot of really well-known, like accomplished sketch, sketch comedy people in it. Like half of Broken Lizard is in it. Most of the state is in it. Kids in the Hall. Like they're all in this movie for some reason and like bit parts. But fucking princess diaries man like it's the princess like, diaries yeah, yeah it's gary marshall and hathaway julie andrews like it's impossible for that combination to go poorly very much the same i loved sky high it's very like it seems like a, a state it was a staple of the disney channel uh when i was growing yeah. up that's where i would always see it but i mean the princess diaries is such a classic you it's know so it really is um, yeah i was yeah. re-watching it actually before we were recording i was bored but also i wanted to watch something that's on this bracket and julie andrews is so delightful in this oh i mean like God. annie She's hathaway so is also really delightful in it i it was yeah. her first it was her first major motion picture uh what i really really appreciate now that i didn't appreciate maybe when i was growing up is the friendship between lily and mia lily mm. played by heather matazaro what i realized 
is that you don't see a lot of female friendships in teen movies where the friend of the main character, Lily in this case, she isn't jealous of Mia being famous or Mia getting clout or anything like that or Mia being popular. She was angry at Mia because she was afraid of losing her best friend. Yeah. And Lily is, for better or for worse, very secure in who she is in the movie. And she she also has a has an understanding of like where like opportunities, I guess you could say, in her personality. But her whole conflict with Mia centers around their friendship and how Mia just feels like she's drifting. When yeah. all Lily wants is to be there with her friend. And it's not about jealousy, it's not about thinking Mia is prettier than her or anything like that. It's very much about the two of them. Yeah, it's uh... I 100% agree. This movie is incredible. Uh, it should be held up as a timeless classic for both young girls and adults of all shapes, sizes, and pronouns. But yeah, the fact that the best friend is not jealous and also there is not really a romance element to it. There is, but like that's not the catalyst for the plot of the yeah. movie. Uh, like she's not just trying to impress a boy or whatever. There is a little bit of that in it, but the fact that a, a man or a romantic interest isn't like the reason the movie movie is happening yeah, yeah it's it's incredible all right by a sweep we again <laughs> have princess diaries moving on to the sweet 16 uh and then our next matchup is also one that has caught me up i mm -hmm. i do not have an answer to this matchup we have the lizzie mcguire movie versus confessions of a teenage drama queen hmm Lizzie McGuire is a teenager graduating from junior high and eager to find adventures in Rome, Italy on a school trip. Upon arriving there, she discovers that she is a spitting image of an Italian beauty who is half of a famous pop duo. Meeting Paolo, the other half of the duo, she is reeled into posing as Isabella on what becomes a journey of self-discovery. Directed by Jim Fall, who just directed a lot of TV movies, and it of course stars Hilary Duff as Lizzie McGuire, along with a bunch of the rest of the cast of the TV series Liz McGuire. Uh, and it also stars Alex Borstein as Miss Ungermeyer, the <laughs> chaperone and principal of Lizzie's future high school. And Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen is based on the teen novel of the same name. And it follows Mary Lola Stepp, a newly displaced teen whose divorced mother has re relocated from the trendy life of New York City to the urban sprawl of Delwood, New Jersey. Out of place in the suburban town, Lola sets her sight on the lead in the school play while fantasizing about her favorite rock group and how her life should be. When she learns that her favorite rock group is disbanding and is going to put on their final farewell concert in New York City, Lola pulls out all the stops to make it to the concert and meet the lead singer, Stu Wolf. Directed by Sarah Sugarman, one of the two female directors, I think, on this bracket, who... Just like the Liz McGuire movie, that director, Sarah Sugarman, did a lot of TV movies. And it stars Lindsay Lohan, Megan Fox, Allison Pill, and Carol Kane also star. So I know you said you're you're as a, as yet undecided of yes. this. I will say that I was not a huge Lizzie McGuire watcher mm -hmm. when I was young. I am of the generation of it. I'm a little bit older than you, but... But you're I, a I mean, I, Yeah, exactly. I watched Disney, or I watched Disney everything and Nick every, Nickelodeon everything, but I just actually rewatched Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen a couple of days ago because I didn't remember it. It's great, y'all. Like, it, it's basically Disney Mean Girls is what it feels like. Also... Let's let's do side note of this. Within two months of each other, Lindsay Lohan gave us this and Mean Girls. They came out like two months apart in 2004. So 
it's yeah, it's Disney Mean Girls. Uh, it's very enjoyable. I have I've always had a thing for Allison Pill, even though she spells her name wrong. It's that's true. It's it's very good. It's very fun. It's it's campy. Yeah, I just I don't have the uh, affinity for Lizzie McGuire, so this was a pretty easy one for me. Yeah, I think this is one of the ones where I also don't really know who to move on, but probably for the opposite reason to Allison, I don't. I feel like I've maybe seen the Lizzie McGuire movie on TV once. And I don't remember much about it. I also love Alison Pill. I think she's great. I also love Carol Kane. She's amazing. Yes. I didn't know she yeah. was in this. So I mean, yeah, for she's, those, she's the uh, the drama teacher in this. Okay, yeah. that's. I mean, that's exactly what I imagined when <laughs> when Alison <laughs> yeah. was reading the plot. I think for those reasons, uh, I would probably give it to Confessions. I like both these movies pretty equally. Um, I think Lizzie McGuire has more of the nostalgia factor for me because sure. I really liked the TV series growing up. Yeah. But I think where I'm caught up is it's really, hey, now, hey, now, this is what dreams are made of versus <laughs> the the titular song, That Girl Was a One-Time Teenage Drama Queen. Both songs yeah. absolutely slap. They are oh, bops. Rippers. Certified. They, 100%. Like, every, I, I would imagine that most women of my age are familiar with both songs. Yeah. Like, front and back. I think I probably know more words to Hey Now than Teenage Drama Queen song, but I'm split on this. I don't really have a problem with either of them moving on. So by virtue of me being essentially uh, indifferent, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen has to move on here. Uh, okay, so uh, moving on, we have Ice Princess versus Tuck Everlasting. Ice Princess is about 17-year-old physics whiz Casey Carlisle, who is urged by her teacher to work on a physics project over the summer for a presentation to Harvard. As an ice skater, Casey decides on a project that shows the elements of physics applied in competitive figure skating. She visits a skating club run by former professional skater Tina Harwood and eventually finds that in order to better understand the principles she's using, she will have to become her own test subject. The more she gets involved, the more she falls in love with figure skating and must ultimately make a choice. Will it be Harvard, where her mother and Casey have both dreamed of, or will it be her new dream as a competitive figure skater? Directed by Tim Fywell, who's done a lot of TV series, and stars of note include Michelle Trachtenberg, Joan Cusack, Hayden Panettiere, and Kim Cattrall. Tuck Everlasting, Tuck Everlasting is based off of a book. And it's about Winnie Foster, who has everything a young woman could desire. She comes from a wealthy and respected family. She dresses in the finest clothes and is afforded every opportunity to refine herself. But Winnie longs for freedom. She escapes one morning to explore the woods surrounding her family's home and encounters the Tucks, a close-knit family with a mysterious past that begs the question, if you could live forever, would you? Just when Winnie believes she has answered that question for herself, a mysterious man looking to profit from the source of the Tucks' immortality has her question her life, her desires, and what is the right thing to do. In the end, she learns that death is not what is to be feared, but an unlived life. And it's, like I said, based off a book. Uh, Tuck Everlasting was directed by Jay Russell, who also directed Ladder 49 and The Water Horse. And it stars Alexis Bledel, Jonathan Jackson, William Hurt, Sissy Spacek, and Ben Kingsley. So yeah, this was another one that, this was the other matchup that I don't have strong feelings for. I moved on Tuck Everlasting just because I do have more memory of it. I actually don't even, I don't know for sure that I've seen Ice Princess. Uh, I think I have, but I, I'm not certain. I don't have uh, fond memories really, necessarily of either of these. Though I do remember liking Tuck Everlasting, the book, when I read it in school. Now... With Ice Princess, 
it's a really, I don't want to say interesting because like it's a Disney movie, so whatever, but it <laughs> is a very, I would say kind of accurate portrayal of like mid 2000s sort of like feminism situation mm-hmm. because you have Joan Cusack who plays Casey Carlisle's mom in this movie and she's a professor a professor of I think she's a professor of feminist studies and she basically believes that um figure skating and the outfits and and everything like that like sets feminism back 20 years all that jazz Joan Cusack's character has a very binary um view of what it is to be a successful woman essentially whereas Tina Harwood who's the figure skating coach uh she's kind of like the foil to Joan Cusack's character in that she I think she's based off of, oh my God, who is the figure skater? Tanya Harding. So she's based off of Tanya Harding, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And she's a very hardened character who thinks that the way to be a successful, I don't know about a successful woman, but a successful skater is to sacrifice everything else in your life. And then you have Hayden Panettiere's character who has dedicated her life to skating, but she doesn't want to be a figure skater. So, and then you have Casey who's kind of pulled between the two worlds so it's a really kind of interesting dynamic of how um, white women yeah. in particular viewed feminism in the mid-2000s, whereas I think Tuck Everlasting more sort of explores like very existential questions that um, <laughs> yeah. if you read the book as a kid uh, was pretty digestible from that perspective. Personally, I have more attachment to Ice Princess, but I also moved Tuck Everlasting on just because I think it's a better movie overall. I think it's a more interesting exploration of those existential questions than um, the exploration of feminism in Ice Princess. It's fair. Nick? Yeah, I so I also read the book Tuck Everlasting, and I loved it. It was one of my favorite books. My mom knew it was one of my favorite books. And when it was coming out on movie I, uh, in the film, I specifically remember her being like, hey, we'll go see Tuck Everlasting. It'll be great. You love the book. It's going to be awesome. We did that. I have no memory of the movie. <laughs> so either it was very, very bad or I, I don't know. I got drunk as a toddler and blacked <laughs> the entire thing out. But either way, I have no memory of watching Tuck Everlasting. Uh, that being said, I've also never seen Ice Princess, but I do love Joan Cusack a lot. So this one could genuinely go either way for me. Um, I will say I don't know if this tips to scale tips the scales for anybody, but I'm looking now. Ice Princess is based on a story by Meg Cabot, who is the author who wrote Princess Diaries, the book series. It's hmm. true. It's yeah. True. So I know that. yeah, I, I mean, I will yeah. say Joan Cusack is pretty good in the movie. I it's obviously not her best role. Her best role is School of Rock, as we all know. <laughs> everybody knows this, but. I, I just, I think it's the less interesting movie personally. And also, Tuck Everlasting is a much prettier movie with the, like, the tor- like Edwardian aesthetic yeah. going on. So, yeah. from that perspective, Tuck Everlasting moves on here. Uh, yeah, I'm fine with that. Also, uh, side note, uh, Joan Cusack's best role is Jesse in the Toy Story franchise. Moving on! Um... <laughs> wow! Wow! Okay, okay. <laughs> I guess we're gonna have to uh, battle that one out. <laughs> That's so for much for another episode. Down. Allison, can I talk to you in another room for a second? <laughs> <laughs> Who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, our last round of 32 matchup, we have Holes versus Freaky Friday, the Lindsay Lohan version of Freaky Friday. Uh, and as a reminder, Holes is about Stanley Yelnats the Fourth, 
who is falsely accused of stealing Clyde Sweet Heat Livingston's shoe donation to a local orphanage and will either go to jail or Camp Green Lake. Stanley chooses Green Lake, where he is forced to dig large holes in the desert each day by order of the mysterious warden and her assistants, Mr. Sir and Mr. Pendansky. But when the warden is really trying to do is find Kissing Kate Barlow's long buried treasure. Directed by Andrew Davis, who also directed The Fugitive, Collateral Damage, and The Guardian, amongst other movies. And it stars, of course, Shia LaBeouf, Sigourney Weaver, and John Voight. We know Shia LaBeouf is also problematic. We're not talking about that. (laughs) Moving on. Uh, Freaky Friday is about Dr. Tess Coleman and her 15-year-old daughter, Anna, who are not getting along. They don't see eye-to-eye on clothes, hair, music, and certainly not in each other's taste in men. One Thursday evening, their disagreements reach a fever pitch. Anna is incensed that her mother doesn't support her musical aspirations, and Tess, a widow about to remarry, can't see why Anna won't give her fiancé a break. Everything changes when two identical Chinese fortune cookies cause a little mystic mayhem. The next morning, their Friday gets freaky when Tess and Anna find themselves inside the wrong bodies. As they literally walk a mile in each other's shoes, they gain a little newfound respect for each other's point of view. But with Tess's wedding coming up on Saturday, the two have to find a way to switch back and fast. Freaky Friday was directed by Mark Waters, who also directed Mean Girls, Just Like Heaven, and Vampire Academy. And it stars Lindsay Lohan, Jamie Lee Curtis, Mark Harmon, and Chad Michael Murray. Okay, so I know that both of you have pretty strong feelings about this. I think specifically about Holes. So I'm going to open the floor to the two of you and uh, let you discuss for a minute. Go ahead. Nick. Holes is bad. Holes is bad. Okay? I want Holes to be good. Don't... Okay. I love Tim Blake Nelson. I love Sigourney Weaver. I love Patricia Arquette and Dulé Hill together. They're fantastic. But Holes as a whole was not good. And then, like, the book was good. I remember reading the Lewis Sacker novel when I was a kid multiple times over. And I wanted it to be so good. But I rewatched it uh, within the past, like, three years or so. And it's just like the pacing is off. They end scenes like really abruptly and the sound editing just it's bad. It it, like really turned me off to the movie. Okay, well, I disagree. Sure. (laughs) That is bad. Okay. Um, I know that we that we say Levi and I have said multiple times that we don't talk about serious subject matter on this podcast. But I think what Nick is missing here is that Holes is a pretty digestible exploration of the prison industrial complex from a kid's (laughs) perspective. And I I don't know about any of you, but as far as like what uh, may have, you know, radicalized me into a progressive mindset, so to speak, um, Holes has definitely played played a part in that. So... I think from that perspective, Holes is very, very effective. I think the way that the plot weaves Stanley's, uh, Stanley Yelnats, the fourth story into Kissing Kate Barlow, into um, Sigourney Weaver's plot line. And then also, lest we forget that he broke the curse. Stanley broke Madame Zeroni's curse and everything came full circle. And your point about the prison industrial complex is is totally reasonable. I would agree with you there. It's nothing to do with the plot. I loved the story. I ju- it's it's the way the film was done. It was the abrupt cuts in scenes. It was the sound editing. It made it those were the only things I noticed when I watched the movie. I was like this is really jarring. <laughs> And I will say that the movie does the movie is longer than I than I remembered and it feels long. 
Yeah. I, I have holes moving on. I have holes actually going pretty far, but I do wow. agree that from a technical aspect, there are problems with it. But See, I think I the plot loved... and I think the performances are incre- the performances, especially especially being all children. Um, I think they're they're all incredible, and I think the cast and the performance is enough to move it on over Freaky Friday. You think so? And that's that's fair. I will I will accept a loss here. Uh, it sounds like I am outnumbered. I loved Freaky Friday. Yeah. Um, I love well, defend Lindsay Freaky Lohan. Friday. Why, like, outside of the fact that you think that holes is bad, why do you think Freaky Friday is good? Most of the reason why Freaky Friday won is because holes is bad. Um, <laughs> but no, it was it, it was it was really interesting because, like, I grew up with a uh, I grew up uh, with a single mom and uh, my sister, who I had a lot of trouble like connecting with on a certain level because they're women and i am not um and so i ended up watching a lot of uh like media at the time that they were into just you know by virtue of being outnumbered and uh freaky friday was one of those movies that i just i remember watching over and over again that i really really enjoyed you know similar to uh i think uh levi you mentioned uh the muppets or maybe it was the mighty ducks being like film comfort food for you yeah that's kind of what like freaky friday mean girls those types of movies that's what that kind of is for me in a certain way Uh, yeah i I totally respect that and i i really like freaky friday i've seen i think all of them except for the one that just came out a couple years ago and obviously we've already discussed i love Lindsay lohan i love jamie lee curtis she's fucking great in everything that she's in fantastic Um, those activia commercials Like this, this Freaky Friday, the 2003 version, is not a bad movie. It is a very solid movie. Um, I just holds holds. There we go. A more special place in my heart. Nick, I know you think the movie's bad, and you are our <laughs> guest host, but you are veto yeah. here, my dude. That is totally fine. I, I respect get, the process. We get to argue it again uh, in the next round. So that's true. That's true. Speaking You'll get of another the next shot. round. Uh, we are moving into the Sweet 16 here, where in the Disney-fied region, we have Hocus Pocus versus Mary Poppins. Ooh. All right, so this was not a tough one for me personally, because I love Hocus Pocus so much, but I absolutely can, uh, I can hear the argument either way for either of these movies, because um, Mary Poppins is a certified banger classic with Julie Andrews, but... Hocus Pocus, again, it's comfort food to me. Like, it just holds a, holds a place in my heart that Mary Poppins does not. I'm very much the opposite, having never seen Hocus Pocus, which, again, <laughs> will, uh, you know, will get me some uh, hate, I'm sure. Uh, I just, Mary with Poppins. With 20 uh, listeners of this podcast. 22! You start with 22, next week you have 300,000. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I Mary Poppins just just wins it out for me. It's just such a classic, and you know Dame Julie Andrews. I mean, deserves all the credit in the world for making Mary Poppins what it was. That being said, I could be totally wrong having not seen Hocus Pocus, so <laughs> I'm fine with no. either one. Moving on here. No, I mean Hocus Pocus is a classic unto itself. I mean, I think the performance of Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kathy, Kathy and Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah, uh, the three of them, it's just, they they hit that so hard, and they they really went for it. But 
Mary Poppins is the Mary Poppins is the winner here. There's no question in my mind. The soundtrack, the performances outside of Dick Van Dyke's Cockney accent. You mean his flawless Cockney accent? Mm. I mean, whatever, whatever uh, helps you sleep at night, my friend. Mary Poppins is the real winner here. So Mary Poppins yeah. moves on to the Elite Eight. I I am fully accepting of that. I will say, as parting words for Hocus Pocus, uh, this movie is the hottest Sarah Jessica Parker has ever been. Uh, she looks incredible. I think it's the black eyeliner that does it for me, if I'm being <laughs> completely honest. But yeah, rest in peace to Hocus Pocus. All right, I'll, I'll put it this way as a final touch. Hocus Pocus is a holiday classic. Mary Poppins is a classic. And yes. I think that's a fair enough reason to move it on. Yeah, that was the other thing. It's like the only time I hear about Hocus Pocus coming up is ha- Halloween. I'll yeah, watch Mary which Poppins is, any day of the week. I- any That's day. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Mary Poppins is super califragilisticexpialidocious. God right. damn it. Uh, <laughs> all right. So our, our next matchup in the Sweet 16 of the Disney-fied region, we have uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl versus The Parent Trap. This is one for me that is very hard. Uh, I have a lot of nostalgic attachment to The Parent Trap. Something that we didn't get into in the first round. I think Meredith Blake makes an excellent villain. I think she is, uh, she's engaging. There's a reason why Dennis Quaid's character, Nick, wants to marry her. She's hot as fuck. She's a fashion icon. And she's a schemer. You know, like, I get it. I get it. And I think she's also a really even match for the twins as far as that scheming goes. I don't think it's quite the cultural touchstone that Pirates is, obviously. But I think it deserves consideration here for kicking Lindsay Lohan's career off, as well as for providing endless conversation around what happens after the movie because (laughs) i need to know i need to know how they managed how how the parents manage their careers i need to know if the twins are going to school in the uk or in the u.s i have so many questions (laughs) and that curiosity really leads me to loving the parent trap even more however it's pirates it's pirates of the caribbean the soundtrack the love story Jack Sparrow, Captain Barbosa. I mean, the fashion, the set design, yeah. everything about it. Pirates is the winner here for me. Yeah, I 100% agree. I love Parent Trap. Basically, quality-wise, I put them on similar levels. For So for me, after that, it becomes the rewatchability factor. And uh, though I would rewatch Parent Trap, uh, I would rewatch Pirates of the Caribbean and have rewatched Caribbean many more times and i will continue to rewatch it for the rest of my dying days probably nick very very similar i think i think the parent trap for me is just below pirates of the caribbean because like you said they're both just very very quality films um if i'm being honest i think if we were talking the original parent trap that might have a slight uh, edge over pirates of the caribbean for me just because that's the one that i grew up with but i mean pirates of the caribbean is so good i don't think we talked about this when uh we introduced it but jonathan price as the governor of the uh of the colony like i yeah love jonathan price he's good in everything he does and pirate the pirate series is is no exception to that i had pirates moving on in this round as well yeah everyone's great in it uh jonathan price uh jeffrey rush is a terrifying pirate Um, so good obviously uh johnny depp 
is basically Jack Sparrow in his real life now. I yeah. think this role just kind of took him over. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, uh, to balance out what I said about Hocus Pocus, this is the hottest Orlando Bloom has ever been. Uh, I don't give a fuck about your le- Legolas blonde takes. Orlando Bloom in this movie, he's tan, he's wet all the time for some reason, and he has a goatee. No, I, I agree. I saw him in something recently. I don't even remember what it was, but he had like a little salt and pepper going on. And uh, that did it for me, if I'm being honest. Like <laughs> He's 44. Yeah. I just looked. He is 44 years old. Good yeah. God. Yeah. <sighs> time, time marches on. Uh, yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean moves on to the Elite Eight, uh, along with Mary Poppins. So we're wow. moving into the sports region. Uh, sports? Sports. Sports? <laughs> sports. Uh, so in the, sweet, the first Sweet 16 matchup, we have... Remember the Titans versus Airbud. This, uh, all due respect to Buddy the dog, this is a th- this this is a thirty second conversation, right? It's Remember the Titans. Airbud is fun, but it's a dumb kids movie. Remember the Titans is a classic. That's right. Yeah, totally Air- agree. <laughs> uh, rest in the most peace, Airbud. We, we love you so much, but Remember yeah. the Titans moves on to the Elite Eight. Okay, so our second <laughs> matchup uh, is Cool Runnings versus Miracle. This is kind of the same for me, but in the opposite direction. Uh, cool Runnings is just super fun and infinitely rewatchable and quotable, and it just holds that place again in my heart and soul. Cool Runnings moves on for me. Miracle is a better movie, I think, but I think Cool Runnings is more enjoyable. That's my argument. Mm, mm, I disagree. I think uh, for me, it's Miracle. I think Kurt Russell's performance is yeah. up there as one of the best that I've seen in any sports movie, period, bar none. I think obviously as like as hockey fans, there's a bit of love there for this for the sport being captured so beautifully on film. Yeah, there's an element of bias there just because you want to see it look good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and as I love Cool Runnings, right? Like we talked about yeah. it earlier. I think the movie, it, to your point, it's so fun. Uh, it is also based off a true story, and I think yeah. the messaging in it is is really well portrayed. But like you said, Miracle is the better movie, and I also personally have more attachment to Miracle. So yeah. um, oh, these 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 are both mo- based on a true story, and then whichever one moves on, it's going to face another true story. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess that makes sense. With I Dis- think Disney all of dubs, these, di- yeah, Disney all of these yeah. sports ones are true stories. Yeah, or at least like all but maybe Mighty Ducks and Big Green, I guess. <laughs> oh, and Angels in the Outfield. <laughs> No, Angels in the Outfield <laughs> happened, I'm convinced. Yeah, that was real, yeah. <laughs> so this is a tough one for me. Again, I think Kurt Russell was tremendous in Miracle. Yeah. I thought he was really, really good. I just, I think I don't have the same love for hockey uh, as as you mm. folks do, which is very strange considering my home state. Um, and considering I'm from North Carolina. <laughs> also, yeah, yeah, also that. <laughs> um, Listen, the, hurric- I, the Hurricanes won the Stanley Cup more recently than the Flyers did, so. They won the Stanley Cup the year I graduated high school. Literally, like, I graduated high school and the Hurricanes won the Cup, like, a week later. <laughs> All that being said, I had cool runnings moving on just because as good as Miracle is, uh, if somebody asks me if I want to watch Miracle, I'll be like, eh. But if somebody asks me if I want to watch Cool Runnings, <laughs> yes, immediately. That's, uh, I like that. Uh, yeah, I I agree. I agree with everything you said. Allison, how do you feel about getting outvoted? Uh, well, you know, I'm a little upset. Uh, my pride is wounded a little bit here, but uh, much like the Soviets, I can be a proper loser in front of the camera. Cool Runnings moves on to the Elite Eight, and we move on to the Sweet 16 matchups in the Not Like Other Disney Movies region. 
So our first matchup, we have National Treasure versus the Christmas, or I'm sorry, the Muppet Christmas Carol. This is no context for contest for me. National Treasure moves on. It made me want to go steal the Declaration of Independence <laughs> to save freedom or whatever the fuck. So, uh, yeah, as as a certified Muppet fan, uh, probably the biggest in this group, I would imagine National Treasure is genuinely probably like a top fifty favorite movie for me. Like it's it's so good. I've watched it probably a hundred times in my life. It's just so enjoyable. Nick Cage is great in it. Diane Kruger is great in it. John Voight, even though John Voight is crazy now, um, Nick Cage has always been crazy. And I can't remember his name, but the the his sidekick, <laughs> Nick Cage's sidekick, who's also in Hangover, I guess. He's in uh, Hangover. Over. he's in yeah. uh he's in a, a bunch of other stuff just as like yeah. small comedy roles yeah but like every everyone in that main cast d- d- plays their role perfectly sean bean um, sean bean yeah he doesn't die it's like one of the what a good villain he die. Oh, yeah he's, he's so a great good. villain he's so yeah. good I, as much as i love all things muppets national treasure it's hard to beat yeah. I will say um, one nitpick that I have with National Treasure. Um, one that... historical inaccuracy. <laughs> it's not even, it's a geographic thing. I know what okay. she's going to oh, say too. I, oh, we've is had it driving? This conversation. Listen, listen. So you have Diane Kruger's character running from Independence Hall in Philadelphia to Reading Terminal Market. Now they're about within a mile walking distance of each other, but Diane Kruger is fucking sprinting a mile and gets there within five minutes. Now, if you are sprinting, okay, yeah, like you can probably get there in five minutes, sure. But it is absurd to me that someone sprinted from Independence Hall to Reading Terminal Market in that in that time. It's unrealistic, much like so much else in this movie. Nope. My, that is my, the one, one. my one small gripe with National yeah, Treasure. That is the one inaccuracy in this entire movie. That's correct. <laughs> Uh, all yeah. right, National, Nas- Treasure. National Treasure moves on. Uh, rest in peace, Jim Henson and all the Muppets. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, so our second matchup, we have Flubber versus Heavyweights. This, again, is not a tough one for me. I love Flubber, love Robin Williams. Heavyweights, it's a fucking banger. We we sang its praises in the first round or second round or whatever. I might watch Cool Runnings and then uh, Heavyweights tonight. <laughs> Nick? I uh, imagine I will uh, end up getting outvoted here uh, just because I haven't seen Heavyweights in so long. I may make plans to watch it tonight myself after you two singing its praises. I had Flubber moving on, but I fully expect to uh, have to change that over to Heavyweights in a moment here. Now, the thing with Flubber for me, like outside of Robin Williams, who is great in every role he's in, yeah. rest in peace is that i really hate the like 2001 a space odyssey like computer taking over and shit like that <laughs> which kind of happens in flubber Fair. it's not really my favorite villain situation I, i'm not i'm not i'm not going to talk about like realism or whatever because we're talking about flying rubber it's just not yeah it's not worth the conversation but i don't think for me flubber can move on solely on the back of robin williams performance i think heavyweights is a better overall movie heavyweights has more appeal to me from a just like plot structure perspective so yeah um, if this was anyone but robin williams it would be a forgettable movie yeah yeah yeah, i would agree with that so um heavyweights moves on to the elite eight all right, we are into the 2016 John region where we have The Princess Diaries going up against Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. Princess Diaries moves on in a walk. Yeah, yeah, end of conversation. Yep. Lindsay Lohan, you did a great job. Yeah, Princess Diaries, come on. <laughs> I will say that Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen is peak 2000s fashion. 
like oh, between yeah. the the logo situation, like the Burberry <laughs> situation that Megan Fox and her cronies wear in that one uh, in the one yeah. scene. You have Lindsay Lohan going full boho in her first uh, day of school in New Jersey. Yeah, with the, it's just with the head wrap and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There is rewatching it the other night. There is I saw at least one teenage girl wearing a dress over jeans and like. That there's nothing you need more to pinpoint exactly when a movie was made than something like that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, The Princess Diaries, while there are some decent fashion moments in it, you just, Confessions of a drama que- Teenage Drama Queen uh, trumps it by a yeah. mile in that regard. But by every other measure, Princess Diaries is the winner here in my book. Yeah, it, uh, it's a timeless classic, just like J- Dame Julie Andrews herself. Nick, any anything to add here? I think you two knocked it out of the park on this one. I mean, I had Princess Diaries moving on. All right. Uh, And then in our final matchup of the Sweet 16, we have Tuck Everlasting versus Holes. Uh, No, 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 no. Nick Nick gets to speak first. (laughs) That's what I was about to say. I was literally about to throw it to Nick. Holes can win. (laughs) It's fine. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I love Holes. Uh, I... I wouldn't care if Tuck, Tuck Everlasting won because already I'm thinking ahead and Holes is not going to be the ultimate winner for me personally. And so I don't care that much about it. That being said, I think it should move forward, but I wouldn't be devastated if, if it didn't. Yeah, I think there's a reason why Holes has lasted in the cultural conscience um, yeah. much more than Tuck Everlasting has. So yeah. um, Holes, Holes moves on for me as well. Beautiful. So that covers our Sweet 16 which yep. means we are moving along to our Elite Eight, where in the Disney-fied region, we have two major classics. We have Mary Poppins versus Pirates of the Caribbean, colon, Curse of the Black Pearl. This is Pirates for me. Just I, Honestly, I don't even have a reason for it. It's just gut, It's my gut feeling. I, I, if I had the choice, if you sat me down and said, here's Mary Poppins, here's Pirates, which one do you want to watch tonight? it would be pirates. Uh, and I am fully okay with being outvoted about that, but it, it's pirates for me on gut instinct. I, I would say the same. I'm doing this a, a few different ways. It's like, if somebody asks me what I want to watch, which one I go for, if I bring over a DVD of each to, you know, a, a mm. gathering with friends, what do I think my friends are going to want to watch? It's pirates. You can yell along to the theme song. <laughs> it's, it's also so yeah you can yeah you'll get everybody singing to that uh it's also something i feel that you can throw on in the background and just have exist along with like other activities you know like i could play board games with my cronies with that going on in the background if mary poppins is in the background i am paying attention to mary poppins (laughs) and you're gonna and you're gonna sing along to all the songs and everything and that's exactly it's interesting to me that you view what you just said about mary poppins as a detriment Uh, So I don't view it as a detriment, (laughs) but I think for the purpose, it's tough because I like that aspect of it for sure. Mm. But I think Pirates of the Caribbean beats this out on its sort of mass appeal. I disagree. I mean, I think both movies have a lot of mass appeal. I think Mary Poppins, like, don't get me wrong. Pirates has the the score. It's a banger. You know, you, you can't, you know it when you hear it and everyone else also knows it when they hear it. But everyone else also knows Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Everyone else also knows... Um, spoonful of sugar. Spoonful of sugar, spoonful yeah. Of sugar. Yeah. So I think 
as far as like the music goes, I think Mary Poppins wins wins that hands down. Not only can you sing along to like the the tune, but you can sing words to it. Mm-hmm. So you're not just yelling bum bum ba da 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 like it's not Have you ever tried yelling bum bum ba da bum bum ba bum bum ba bum bum for hours though? Cuz that, I mean, yeah. I can only sing supercalifragilisticexpialidocious like four times before I'm like, oh, I'm lightheaded. <laughs> that sounds like a you problem. It is. All right. How about how about this? It'll, we'll settle this based on who does the better accent, Dick Van Dyke or Johnny Depp. I mean, it's Johnny Depp in a walk. It's Depp, Dick... yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But there's I mean, also I the had pirates of... moving on anyway, so. It's yeah. also the element of, like, Dick Van Dyke's bad cockney accent it's being more of a conversation piece than johnny depp's (laughs) yeah oh no his english accent his terrible accent dick van dyke's terrible accent is like one of the things you remember most from that movie for some reason i do encourage everyone to go rewatch the step in time choreography because it is so intricate like the song step in time when they're on the rooftops with all the chimney sweeps. Yeah. The song itself is, it's not super memorable, but the dancing is unbelievable. Like the fact that Dick Van Dyke wasn't a dancer and he yeah. pulled that off along with professional dancers is incredible. The athleticism it took, everything else that goes along with that. I mean, I would move uh, Mary Poppins on solely based off of that. I mean, Clearly, I'm not winning this battle. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would be if if the vote was split to to one the other way. I would be totally fine with Mary Poppins going on, but because I'm in the majority, and as a straight white man, I don't get in the majority very often. Um, this is true. Yeah, pirates, pirates moves on for me. <laughs> Sigh. Okay. Well, I'll eat this one, I guess. As... Oh dear. All right. All right, All right, so uh, since the uh, winner of the Disney-fied region, which, as we just discussed, is Pirates of the Caribbean colon Curse of the Black Pearl, is going up against the winner of the not-like-other-Disney-movies region, uh, we'll, we'll do that region next. So we've got National Treasure going up against Heavyweights, which is, in my mind, a battle between nostalgia that holds up today and Nick Cage in his best role. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, if it was National Treasure to go up against Pirates, they're two kind of the same movie. And what I mean by that is they feel, they don't feel like Disney movies more, so they feel like Hollywood blockbuster type movies. Which valid, they were both produced by the same dude. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So they feel very similar. I I would have Heavyweights going ahead only because it is, it's kind of unique little niche corner type film from the 90s where it's just like it's such a weird little premise but it's super rewatchable it's super quotable all the all the uh, performances are amazing in it um this is a really tight one for me but i lean towards heavyweights i uh i had uh, flubber beating out heavyweights and then <laughs> f- uh national treasure beating out flubber so you know putting putting heavyweights in there national treasure still beats it out for me sure. uh that being said i have seen national treasure probably 50 times more than I have seen uh, heavyweights. Yeah. So, That's yeah. fair. grain of salt. Ooh, this is so hard for me. I love heavyweights for all the reasons that we've previously spoken about uh, that Levi just summarized. 
I think as far as what's the more memorable film, there, there's no question it's National Treasure. I love yeah. seeing the city of Philadelphia portrayed in such an exciting way. I think Nick Cage, like I said, is in his best role that I've seen, which uh, <laughs> is probably an unpopular opinion amongst actual movie people. You should see um, Mandy. <laughs> but Heavyweights has the quotes. Heavyweights has that sort of indie movie feel out of a out of a Disney studio because of the like Levi said because of the kind of weird premise and the small scale of it. I think also for people who grew up on the chubbier side, uh, which uh, <laughs> is all three of us, honestly, you look at it as a sort of point of that's me on film. Like it's a point of representation in a positive manner, you know? And I think as exciting as national treasure is as a movie, as big of the scope as it is, um, I think in my heart of hearts, heavyweights has to move on. All right. So moving on, we have in our elite eight region for the sports, for the sports contenders, we have remember the Titans versus cool runnings. Uh, Now, Nick, uh, I want to throw to you here. Where are you standing? This is an exceedingly difficult task. These are both, I mean, incredible films. I think we had this conversation a little bit earlier, but they both tackle the issue of race in very different ways, uh, but I think very effective ways. Personally, I I lean towards comedy just in, in just about everything. And for that aspect alone, I had cool runnings moving on, but I would be more than fine with either of these going to the final four. Yeah, I I kind of lean what you're saying. Uh, I love both of these movies. Full disclosure, I have Mighty Ducks in this, like, at this point in the bracket, and I have Mighty Ducks actually overall winning my bracket, but... Going back to the first round, that Mighty Ducks Cool Runnings matchup, they were very close for me. And so Cool Runnings slipping in in its place, Cool Runnings kind of just continues to coast to the end. If you were to give me these two movies, I would watch Cool Runnings because, again, I lean more towards comedies as well, though it does have some heartfelt moments in there there too. Remember the Titans is so damn good. It's such a good movie, but uh, I think it's Cool Runnings in the end for me. I disagree. I think <laughs> shocker. I know, but well, sway one of us. So we we, we both can be uh, we're I, both swing votes. I think we're forgetting just how good Denzel Washington is in this movie. Oh, I am absolutely not. He is incredible. I am like I'm literally like fifty one forty nine split between these two right now. Just like how I felt about Kurt Russell and Miracle pushing mm. a movie along. If if I had to, if it came down to, it, it is coming down to the nitty gritty with these two movies. Actually, I think when I look at the performances of the actors, Denzel is incredible in the movie. I think also you have the collective cast of the football team. Each character is very fleshed out. You have Sunshine who has his own, is he gay? Is he not gay? What's going on there? Uh, Which is kind of a fish out of water situation from moving to a Virginia high school. You have, is it Donald Faison's character who, who gets benched and then rejoins the team like right before the championship game? I thought that was Ed Harris. Or no, not Ed Harris uh, is the uh, other coach. No, not um, him. Uh, Wood Harris. Wood Harris, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ju- uh, ju- uh, Julius, yeah. yeah. I think I think that's right. Okay, I will say that across the board, Remember the Titans has a much stronger overall cast. I think Heavyweights has incredible performances from cool Ben Stiller. 
Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> I think uh, Cool Runnings has great performances from John Candy. Uh, Leon is great. Dougie Doug is great. Yep. But I think Remember the Titans does have the stronger cast in aggregate and that's not just because of denzel like there are ethan ethan supley ethan is great Supley, in a minor yep. role yeah donald Faison. Uh, i forgot ryan gosling was in this movie yeah <laughs> um baby yeah, ryan Tiny, gosling too and baby yeah. donald Faison actually yeah and tiny hayden panettiere she's great i am willing to let remember the titans go forward just because it is it's a timeless movie oh same yeah, and I think, like, when we're talking about what, at the end of the day, we are, we're comparing, like, is Cool Runnings the better movie, or is Remember the Titans the better movie? You know what yeah. I mean? And I think, just like you said, in aggregate, excellent use of that word, I think Remember the Titans is the stronger film. For me, Remember the Titans is more rewatchable. That's not to say that Cool Runnings mm. isn't rewatchable. Obviously, sure. I find that, if for me, if given the choice, I'll put on Remember the Titans. Also because... Nick, to your point in an earlier round, I can put on Remember the Titans in the background and be able to turn around at any given point and know what's going on in that movie. That's totally fair. And I I, I totally get that. Totally fine with moving Remember the Titans on here. I think for me, it's, you know, if I'm going to watch one or the other, Remember the Titans is heavy. You know, like it is. Yes, yeah, you are sitting down to watch it. It's It's a heavy movie. Cool Runnings is much lighter it's something that you can watch you know in an afternoon and then not feel bad for about yourself for the rest of the day um <laughs> but i am that being said total i mean the the cast alone is just incredible on remember the titans and yeah. i am cool moving it on remember the titans yes yep okay move, move it forward Boys, shocker a denzel vehicle is going far <laughs> yeah who would have thought all right, and then our final Elite Eight matchup we have in the 2000s Teen John region, we have The Princess Diaries versus Holes. All right, yeah, as much as we've been uh, browbeating Nick about Holes, it's Princess Diaries, right? Like, I actually have I Holes mean, moving on here. <laughs> I will no, I'm kidding. come through this screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I love Holes. Uh, Alice and you are the same way. Like, it's a great movie. Princess Diaries is, is a yeah. timeless classic, right? Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. When you think of 2000s teen girl movies, I'm just going to say it. When you think yeah. of teen th- 2000s teen girl movies, Princess Diaries is at or at the very least near the top of that list. Like you say, a, name, name yeah. me a 2000s princess or girl movie and people go, oh, the Princess Diaries. It's iconic. Yeah, it's, a, it's a guaranteed top three, if not number one, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's... Honestly, as easy as all of its matchups have been, I might this might be foreshadowing the champion here, but you know, I we'll we'll get there. Yeah. All right. So we have our final four matchups. We have in the first round, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean: colon, Curse of the Black Pearl facing <laughs> off against heavyweights, and then in the <laughs> as a reminder, in the second matchup of the final four, we have Remember the Titans versus the Princess Diaries. So let's tackle the first matchup here: Pirates versus Heavyweights. What a strange matchup we Truly. ended up with. All of the things we argued for for heavyweights in the last matchup, I think, is not enough to hold it up to Pirates. Pirates is so so good like it it, again is a timeless classic because it's not set in the 90s or 2000s um yeah i love heavyweights good on it for making it this far cinderella run yeah it for real uh but yeah pirates i think takes it in a walk nick 
Uh, same. I mean, I, I actually had National Treasure beating out Pirates here, but heavyweights made it here so i think uh, allison called pirates of the caribbean this first movie a cultural touchstone and i think that that's just the best way to describe it and yeah i I just don't think it it could have been beaten out by anything else except for maybe national treasure (laughs) yeah and the thing and the thing about it if it had faced off against national treasure it's like i think levi said this before they're like the same movie yeah, they're they're very in, in a lot of in a lot of ways. Obviously, the plot and the concept are different, but when you're yeah. looking at like what the movies look like and um, how they were produced and the budget and everything like that, they're the same. Yeah. So I think I I mean I don't really have a, a succinct argument for heavyweights, uh, nor do I think there there's really any argument to move it on over a cultural touchstone such as Pirates of the Caribbean: colon, yeah. Curse of the Black Pearl. Okay, so Pirates moves on to our uh, our championship. Let's find out who it's facing off against. We have Remember the Titans versus the Princess Diaries. Oh, talk about, again, both of these Final Four matchups are two completely different movies going up against each other. I think for the same reason that I argued for Cool Runnings in the last round, I'll argue for Princess Diaries in that Princess Diaries, Diaries is a much lighter uh, story <laughs> remember the titans is a is heavy um which i mean it it's going to be because it's about desegregation and race relations and things like that i think you could possibly make the argument that remember the titans is a better overall film but i think princess diaries is a more rewatchable and just overall more enjoyable movie okay nick I, you know, I think you may have convinced me with, uh, with Remember the Titans being better. I think because I had Cool Runnings beating out Princess Diaries here. Love Princess Diaries, love Cool Runnings yeah. both. But I mean, if, if we're talking, if we're going back to the quality piece, Remember the Titans is just such a good movie. Like it, <laughs> it is, it, it is stacked with tremendous performances and it's not as though those are, you know, not present in the Princess Diaries, but you get like three, maybe four. Remember the Titans, it's just it's just so good. That said, I wouldn't mind if either of these went on to face um, Pirates in the Championship. This is so hard for a 2000s gal, uh, <laughs> I gotta tell ya. Um, because, you know, you guys have covered a lot of it. Remember the Titans is, you have the stack performances, like Nick said. It's a it's a beautiful looking movie. Uh, there are some. Yeah. There's one scene that where I remember um, Coach Boone pulls up to the other coach's house in like rural Virginia, and Hayden Panettiere's character is playing basketball outside, and you just have the lighting is stunning. You have Hayden Panettiere looking like she's a kid, so it's like weird to say she looks beautiful in the scene. Yeah, but then you also have in that setting you have a little white girl interacting maybe for the first time with a little black girl and try and those two trying to relate to each other in that way. And I, that scene always stuck out in my mind, but you also have on the princess diaries, you have Dame Julie Andrews showing out and showing up as per usual. Um, I think, (laughs) I think Annie Hathaway, as far as like some, this being someone's first performance in a major motion picture She's, she's wonderful in it. She really is. Um, you know, I kind of fawned over the portrayal of the friendship between Lily and Mia earlier, maybe not so eloquently, but here we are. I'm, I'm really, really split on this one. I just, I don't know. 
it's it this is a really tough one one thing i will say to put a something in remember the titans corner the soundtrack it is a banger <laughs> it did bring it brought ain't no mountain high enough like back into the cultural zeitgeist kind of like how wayne's world did with uh bohemian rhapsody but it has an incredible soundtrack i remember singing the like we are the titans uh chant like in high school <laughs> after this movie came out yeah i will say you know what levi you've kind of turned the tide for me here i think remember <laughs> the titans they're both really good movies but i think remember yes. the titans is the more iconic movie Personally. Yeah, yeah, I think Princess Diaries, even though, you know, institutional sexism and all that, Princess Diaries does have a more niche audience just because it has princess in the title. Yeah. Uh, we can discuss the issues with that all day long, but that that is the it fact is what it is. of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, whereas Room of the Titans, it has fucking Denzel on the poster. So, of course, everyone's going to go see it. Like, yeah, I, th- I think it's I think it's Titans. What do you say, Nick? I yeah I am absolutely cool with that I genuinely could not pick between these two so I will go with the group in a seven game overtime series <laughs> remember the Titans comes out on top uh, okay so we are at our final here we have in one corner Pirates of the Caribbean Curse of the Black Pearl who um, let's remind Pirates beat out heavyweights Pirates beat out Mary Poppins the Parent Trap and also Homeward Bound. Uh, And in the other corner, we have Remember the Titans, who uh, beat out The Princess Diaries, beat out Cool Runnings, uh, beat Airbud, and then also beat Angels in the Outfield. So uh, we've come a long way, but we are now at the championship. (laughs) This is truly an epic matchup as far as live-action Disney movies go. Yeah, uh, I will say that I, after all of the back and forth and my bracket being busted once again, I did still have Pirates in my final. My my final was Pirates and Mighty Ducks, with Mighty Ducks ultimately winning out. So it's nice to see that there is some <laughs> semblance of uh, agreement there. This is a very, very tough one. I'm just going to go with the simple argument of which one would I like to watch tonight after we get done with this uh, call, and it's Pirates. Nick? Yeah, I mean, it's, and this, I feel like this is a thing sports people do, so correct me if it's not, but I look back at the road uh, that both of these, (laughs) both of these opponents took here, and I think you legitimately have equally difficult, you know, competitions basically every step of the way. We had disagreements that had to be, yeah, we had, that had to be settled by tie-breaking vote. It's tough. Um, and this is the point too, where I had cool runnings versus pirates and I couldn't pick a winner between those two. Mm. If I'm going to watch a movie right now, if I'm going to throw something on right now, it's pirates. Yeah. But for sheer quality, I mean, remember the Titans is so good. I think they're equally good movies. Honestly, I think the quality is pretty neck and neck. Let's go down a list of things that make movies memorable and good here. Quotes. Which movie is more quotable? Oh my god, even that! I think <laughs> it's Pirates that argument. for me, honestly. I would say it's probably Pirates too. I think the quotable stuff in Titans is like the music and the songs and the chants and things like that, whereas I think Pirates has more quotable dialogue. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I think Pirates wins out on that one. Music, we've got a score versus oh. a soundtrack. Yeah. That, dun, dun, oh yeah, as much as I love Marvin Gaye and like all of that 60s and 70s like rock and soul and all that, there is something to be said about an original score versus a soundtrack of 
of compiled songs. Not I that I have a problem with that, but um, I would say the score of Pirates is famous and memorable because of the movie, whereas the music featured in Remember the Titans was already good, was already big, was already famous prior to being featured in Remember the Titans. Yeah, if you hear Ain't No Mountain High Enough uh, on the radio, you might think of Remember the Titans, but more than likely you're just going to think, oh, this is a really good old song. <laughs> yeah. This is a banger. Yeah, yeah, yeah this true. is just a good song. Genuinely, I think it might be a wash between those two on music. Okay. That's fair, for very different reasons, but yep. yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Okay, uh, then we have Plot, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. So, but then that again, just like with Princess Diaries, it's very different. Like, Pirates is a pretty classic. It's, I mean, it's a twist on a classic, but it's pirates. They steal cursed treasure. They're cursed. They gotta uh, undo the curse. Whereas, Rumor of the Titans, based on the true story. Undo a curse of another sort. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Undo systemic curses. There's Um, definitely a fantasy element to Pirates that is noticeably absent from remember the titans weird weird how that happens (laughs) yeah Yeah. i would make the argument for pirates based on the fact that it is timeless because of its setting you know it's set somewhere between the 14 and 1800s whereas you you know exactly when remember the titans is set again because it is a true story um and not that that's a detriment necessarily but i think you could drop pirates in it could have come out in 1980 it could come out 10 years from now and it would have the same effect whereas i think remember the titans it came out in a very specific window of time um and still rewatchable but i don't know i don't know if it would have the same effect if it came out like this year I think the pacing in Pirates is better, personally. There are, I think Mm. there are some lulls in Remember the Titans where there are montages and um, I think there's one montage where they're showing um, the team winning over and over again. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, that drags a little bit for me as far as montages go. Which is funny because Pirates is like a half an hour longer than Titans. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Um, I mean, the action certainly helps. I think, yeah. I think as far as which movie is more engaging for the duration, um, I think Pirates wins out on that one. Nick, I, I would uh, I would agree with that. I think I think there are lulls in Remember the Titans because there have to be. If they sat there for I don't know how long the movie is, I, I would imagine close to two hours. But if yeah, they sat there for exactly. two hours and just like it, it was drilled with race relations, football. Uh, you know, interpersonal conversations between the teammates and the coaches and the parents, that would be hard to sit through. It would feel <laughs> immensely yeah. longer than Pirates ever could. Um, so I'm not necessarily giving those lulls. I'm not necessarily counting those lulls as a detriment, but I think the I do think the pacing of Pirates is better because it it's an action movie it it has to be um and i also i would probably lean towards pirates again because i am a capital d disney person um i go to walt disney world like once a year um and pirates is one of my favorite rides uh there is not a remember the titans ride if there was it would be incredibly depressing yeah that Um, would be uh something (laughs) so i i'm i'm leaning pretty strongly towards pirates with all due respect to uh titans yeah, I, I think Pirates has more wide, uh, I think Pirates has wider appeal. What about you, Nick? Yeah, that is exactly what I was just going to say, is that I think as good of a movie as Remember the Titans is, it is still primarily a sports movie. 
So I think there yes. is a subsection of people who are just like, eh, I'm not really into sports, which I would generally count myself among them, who will still, when you go dun 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 dun, will be like, ah, yeah, pirates. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, yeah, I so, yeah. I think that's that's a good argument about it being it. Despite itself, it is still a sports drama, and that is going to turn some people off. I you think know, it has to be pirates. I think I think everything that we've talked about thus far, pirates has come out on top. So congratulations, Pirates of the Caribbean: colon, Curse of the Black Pearl. You are the winner of our live action Disney bracket here on Brack Streets Brackets. How are we feeling Incredible. about this? You know what? There were some upsets here and there that I was not happy with, but I'm happy with this end result. Like, I, I think it is a deserved winner. Yeah, I same. I think I, I thought it was a, a great conversation. You both are very fun to talk to and argue with, uh, which is nice. <laughs> same. Um, Back at you. <laughs> thank you. But And I think Pirates deserves it. I think yeah. it's a good, good pick. Yeah. I agree. I think uh, of all the movies on the bracket, there were, there may have been some doubt from a few people, but it's reasonable that Pirates has won amongst this 32 uh, competitor field. So, Nick, your homework is to go watch Heavyweights. I will. Yes, that's, the, <laughs> that's the only one we're uh, telling you to watch. Uh, rate, comment, subscribe, leave a review, whatever the fuck you want to do. Nick, <laughs> where can uh, where can folks find you if they want to? Oh, yo, I didn't know we could swear until right now. You can fucking find me <laughs> at uh, on Twitter at Nick the Walensky. My name is N-I-K, not N-I-C-K. And uh, just do your best with the last name. You'll find me. I'm not going to give you my Instagram because it's stupid. But uh, yeah, I'm... <laughs> I'm here. Uh, if you can find Allison, you can find me, probably. Uh, yeah. Well, Nick, again, thanks for joining us. Very excited and happy that you were willing and able. Uh, and we will catch you next week for another bracket. Bye. Excellent. Bye, everybody. Bye.